Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Bat Around. It's been three weeks, and man, have I missed you. <laughs> man, have I missed you. It is a beautiful Saturday morning here in the Towson, Baltimore area. Got this weird thing going on with my mic where it just keeps spinning on its own. I mm. uh, don't know what that's about. But I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. The ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house with more money paid out than anyone around make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover Maryland Hanover Hanover yeah that was uh that was that was a thing of beauty right there um hope everybody had a great holiday season uh Merry Christmas Happy Hanukkah hope you all had a great new year we are rolling into 2023 now tomorrow Baseball season begins for me. My winter league yeah. starts tomorrow. I am excited about that. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna be pitching or not, but it's it's baseball, and I'm excited. Where are you batting in the lineup this year? You're gonna be a top of the order guy, bottom of the order guy. I have no idea. No idea. Aren't you um, usually the coach, or, or you have someone who's no? No. no? I, I, okay. I think I think we're both. Uh, how are our levels? We both sound really loud. Uh, might be a little loud. Might be a little loud. Um, no. So in the indoor league. This is my third team in three seasons. Okay. The, the, the okay. first year I played with this team um, that plays, it, uh, some of the guys play in my uh, summer league. Um, and then the next year we were going to play again, and then COVID shut everything down. Got it. And then Got the it. following season, I signed up, and I was going to play with the same guy, but then he was going to play in a different league, and then that league was playing on, on that's too low. Um, then the, that league was playing on Saturdays and Sundays. I could only play Sundays, and sure. I didn't want to pay, I didn't want to pay the full board for half the game no doubt yeah so I ended up signing one really late with this other team and I, I liked a lot of the guys on the team and two of the guys I actually brought to play with me in the fall and they're okay. really good ball okay. players but the guy that ran the team um nothing against him personally I just didn't like his baseball acumen uh <laughs> frankly, Got it. Got frankly. It. so um I switched teams again this year to a team that needs infielders and pitching okay. um I they don't know me so I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't really care. It's one of those leagues where, because it's basically glorified practice to get you ready for spring sure. and, and summer, um, it is seven inning games, but you can't you can't steal bases. It's 70-foot base. It's in, it's in a warehouse, right, up, up in Red Lion, Pennsylvania. You can't steal. Um, you can't bunt. So you start in a 1-1 count. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. And then there's... Parts of the, of the net that if you hit it, it's a single, double, triple, and home run. If you hit the top net, it's an out. Um, and so, basically, really, why? Well, because they it, just assume. Oh, you mean above? Yeah, above uh, you. Above, okay, okay, above got you. It, like, got like it. it would be like a, a, a pop out. I can't okay. tell you how many balls I've absolutely smashed in that league that went for outs because they hit the top. That's net kind of what I was wondering. Just before yeah. it would have been like the home run part of the net. But it's just a good way to see live pitching, get your body ready for baseball. So. I am excited, and the, the way the lineup works is where the lineup ends after the one game is where the next batter is where it picks up the next game. Got it. So Got if it. our number eight hitter is the last hitter of the game, our number nine hitter will lead off the next game. So I, it, I don't so know. So this doesn't really matter where you bat because, yeah, it, you know. It, exactly. Now, last year, I batted third. Okay. I batted third to start the Look season. Look at you. Um, dude, it, it's <laughs> so funny, man, because anytime I join a new team mm -hmm. that doesn't know me, 
they see my swing and they put, they put me in the middle of the order. And I'm like, I ain't that guy. Like, I'm, yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. that guy. Now, I did in, in the fall, I had a nice fall season. I batted 444 with a 600 on base percentage. That's not bad. Yeah, I, I, I had <laughs> should have walked more. Should have been like 650, but it's well, okay. Yeah, dude, I I, <laughs> I I went eight for 18 and I reached base 15 of 25 plate appearances. It was pretty good. It was a good fall season. Now the pitching wasn't quite what it will be in the spring and summer, but it's about what I'm going to see in the winter league. But anyway, I've spent five minutes talking about my baseball playing. I'm just excited because my baseball season. Baseball, for me, starts tomorrow yeah. and doesn't end until early November. Look, I get it. I miss it. I really, I've, yeah. I've said this to you before, but I miss playing baseball. It's something that you know you, you grow up doing, and, and it's it's a constant in your life. And then when you're not doing it anymore, you certainly miss it. So I get to experience it in other ways now, and, and certainly through this show and all the other things that I do. But um, actually being out there and playing it, especially when I'm watching you know high school and college games, what I do for my internship and everything... I, I really miss being out there. Yeah. So I, I get what you're feeling. It's 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 a ton of fun, man. I just I love playing playing and I love the competitive nature of it. I'm a competitive guy by nature. So yeah. for me, from the end of October until about right now, I have like nothing that 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 like fuels that competitive yeah. need. You are me. a very competitive guy. I You're am. a very competitive guy. So, and, and I need it. And it's something that my wife and I have actually gotten into arguments about. Like, um, she's she's gotten mad at me in the past for sometimes she thinks I play too many video games. Now, let, let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you, I'll play a video game before I go to the gym or something in the morning. When okay. she, when, I don't play video games for hours on that. I might play a game or two of Madden, but she thinks I can be doing something more productive. I've tried to explain to her, I play it because there are goals that they give me to reach in this game. And it's <laughs> the, like, I'll play more once baseball season is over because I need to fuel that competitive fire yeah. in me. I, I, I need it. So, very happy that baseball is starting. Very happy um, that the Orioles have done more than just sign Adam Frazier and Kyle Gibson. Uh, since we've been gone, since we've been gone, they signed Michael Givens. They brought him back. And the thing with Michael Givens, Zach, is they're bringing him back to the role that he flourished in from 2015 to 2018. Yeah. Where he is going to be a middle to late innings reliever, um, kind of a setup guy. He's not going to be the guy. Right. And he really flourished in that role for the Orioles. And then when he became the closer, the wheels started to kind of fall off for him yeah. a little bit. Now, this is a guy who's going to come in here and he's going to give you good innings far more often than not. And mm -hmm. Brandon Hyde's not going to need to, in the words of Buck Showalter, dry hump him. He's not going to need to... Wow. Buck Showalter said that. I'm quoting him. He's not going to need to go back to him a second inning. Now, guaranteed, he will at different points. But he's going to have... The, this elongates your bullpen. It gives you a stronger bullpen. This is now a unit that was really top 10 in all baseball last year, but struggled down the stretch. You saw guys getting worn out, namely um, Joey Crable. It's funny because we, we were hating on Brian Baker all year, and then Brian Baker really picked it up at the end of the year when Joey Crable started to struggle, when Felix Bautista started to struggle. So you add him now to Felix Bautista and CNL Perez and Dylan Tate, and you have a really formidable bullpen, especially innings six through nine. You get through the fifth inning with a lead, and you're in a good spot now if you're the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, I like it a lot, actually. Um, this was a move that I didn't see coming. I knew they wanted to add a veteran uh, relief guy, and it makes sense given that you know, Michael Givens played in Baltimore for a great number of years, and he's a guy who's experienced Camden Yards. He knows what it's like to pitch in the AL East, and he didn't have great numbers with the Mets, and that concerns me a little bit, but the Chicago Cubs numbers were really good. Um, he had a sub-3 ERA, and he was a guy who looked 
like a legitimate, you know, seventh or eighth inning guy, but you can throw him out there. He's going to have a lot of success. And I think that's what the Orioles are really looking for is someone who can they can count on to be out there in the seventh or eighth inning. And like you said, it's a key factor that he's not the closer. He's not going to be in that role. That's really what ruined him because the Orioles relied so heavily on him becoming that guy. And I don't think he was ever that guy. He's a seventh or eighth inning reliever who can get the job done when you need him to. And that's what the Orioles, I think, this year are really going to rely on him for. And that's that's a big change for him. And that's something he's really going to flourish in. So I I could easily see a you know a three five four ERA somewhere in that camp, um, and I could see him being very productive. That's for this team. high for a reliever. I mean, with, uh, with, you, with, with the Mets he had last three, year, three eight last year. Yeah, it was three three eight with yeah. the Mets. Uh, and, no, not with the Mets. So he had a I think four seven nine with the Mets. Yeah, four seven nine with oh, the okay. Mets, but two six six with the Cubs. Well, there you go. So it averages out. Yeah. So he had a three three eight for the for the season. And and look, relievers hit hit bumpy patches. Yep. Uh, throughout a season. Nobody. Uh, CNL Perez was really the guy last year that just never struggled. Yeah, he may have had one or yeah. two bad, but he was Mr. Consistency from start to finish. Uh, and, and really, when you look at it now, if you look at your starting rotation and you're getting on a good night six innings and you have a three-to-one lead, now you've got, do you face Michael Givens in the seventh? Dylan Tate in the eighth? CNL Perez in the eighth? Right. Felix Bautista in the ninth? Like, you got like, options. You have a ton of options that you can use out there. And that's before mm-hmm. we even start talking about guys like Austin Voth and Mike Bauman or Brian Baker. The Orioles' bullpen right now, barring injury, is looks really deep. Yeah, and, 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 and they'll inevitably lose some guys. That's going to happen. Well, yeah, yeah. And then you also have to look at, like, they have a ton of rotation options, and it's a really good insurance policy for if your rotation isn't quite what you need it to be. And it's also an insurance policy... If your offense struggles like it did last year, yeah. where, all right, you only got us three runs, but now it's three to two, and we've got these good arms that can yeah. get us through the rest of the game. It's, it's, it's a nice thing to have for this team. Another nice thing that you all can have is the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill, which is a perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all kinds of food. Get the details and reserve yours today at GinsuGrills.com and use the code TAILGATE to get $100 off your order. Press box just giving away money, man. I'm telling you. Giving away Ginsu's. Um, uh, Ginsu's <laughs> and money when we were uh, doing the on- we're still doing online sports betting. I have yet to win a really? single... Bet. With all the free bets you got, you didn't win a single bet. Nothing. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. L- let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I have one one long term bet that I'm hoping cashes in. Okay. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't want to jinx it. Um, but I had I would have won like 118 dollars or 116 dollars. All I needed to finish out the parlay was a Brian Robinson touchdown. And Brian mm. Robinson scored a touchdown, yeah. and it got called back for that Terry McLaurin where he, they said he lined up off the line of scrimmage, even though he checked with the referee twice. The referee told me he was good. This is how you know that this is... that, that People called me crazy when I said that the NFL does things to ensure that games go the way they want them to go, right? Because, I don't know if it's crazy. I don't agree, though. Oh, they 100% do. All you have to do is watch the replay of that game. Is, is, I, watch the replay of that play because literally they, they have a camera pointed at the referee. McLaren points at him once. He says, you're good. He points at him the second time. He says, you're good. As soon as McLaren puts his head down, the referee puts his hand on his flag. The ball gets snapped and he throws the flag. He 100%, 100% lied to that man. Is it that or bad refs? Because the refs are, not, as we know in the NFL, not, not McLaren the best. asked him, am mm-hmm. I good? Twice. He said yes twice, 
And as soon as he asked him the second time and then put his head back down, yeah. the referee put his hand on his flag, and as soon as the ball was snapped, he threw the flag hmm. for the penalty that McLaren was asking if he was okay for. So, but anyway, that that the whole point of this this conversation because I don't want to get into this whole conspiracy theory, the conspiracy theory, Mel Gibson stuff. Uh, the whole point of that is Brian Robinson scored the touchdown to cash in my hundred and sixteen dollars. It call, got called back, and then Washington ended up not scoring, and they lost the game, and I lost out on the money. Mm. That was a, I also almost won on a Christian Watson. All I needed was Christian Watson to score a touchdown. And it would have it would have hit the anytime score, and it would have put the over on thirty nine and a half points for the Packers, um, whatever whatever team they were playing. I, I, I had the over in the thirty nine and a half it would have put them at forty points. Watson gets open, he, he catches a ball, he gets open inside the five, gets and he trips over his own feet and falls, doesn't score. And then on the very next play, Rogers throws him a pass. He's in the end zone, but he's not looking for the ball. It lands right next to him. Yeah. Yeah, and if he had scored on either of those plays, your boy would have cashed. It. I made like 125 bucks on two separate occasions off uh, Christian Watson, so he's yeah. helped me out a little bit. And I did have a bet that day on him where he, the exact player talking about happened, and I was not a happy guy. But anyway, yeah. but not a football show. Not not a football <laughs> show. Just talking about how we've had um, press box has really helped us out with giving some free money because online betting is here in. Maryland. Now, another guy that the Orioles have acquired since our last show is James McCann. He was traded to the Orioles for a player to be named later. The Mets pick up $19 million of the $24 million remaining on his two-year contract. Zach, when we were talking about a backup catcher, we're talking about Jacob Nottingham and Anthony Bamboom and um, Colesvery, and we're like, who's going to be the, the catcher? Maybe he's going to be Maverick Henry, uh, Hanley, or maybe Brett Cumberland gets an opportunity. Um didn't and Cumberland now, sign with the Giants? Yeah, Cumberland. Yeah. But this this was we were talking about before right. he elected free agency, and they go and they trade for James McCann. When we talked about the Orioles' backup catcher, it's like they're not going to get a guy who's good offensively, so they're going to get a, a defensive-minded guy first, who is bad is hopefully better than Robinson Chirinos, but the defense definitely needs yeah. to be better. And then they go out and they sign James McCann, a former all-star, who's got pop in his bat. He can play first base a little bit. He can DH for you a little bit. But mainly, he's going to be your backup catcher. And now, you look at the Baltimore Orioles catching situation, and they have arguably the best catching duo in baseball on paper. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I, I think James McCann is, is one of the bounce-back guys that you look at from 2022 and you say, okay, he had a bad season. The on-base percentage definitely wasn't there. The batting average certainly wasn't there. The power wasn't there either. The offensive, basically every offensive number that you would look for from a guy like that was not there. But again, he is a backup catcher. He's not as defensively minded as I expected the guy backing up Adley Rutschman to be. He's, he's a better good than defender. Chirinos. He's definitely better than Chirinos by, by a wide margin. But he's not at the top of, of the catcher class as far as defense goes but he's, he's a good defender he's an above average guy um I, I think they said he's about in the 62nd percentile uh in framing which is which is solid and robinson torinos was a lot worse he than was that. dead last he was dead last so you know james mccann's an upgrade there and he's a guy who i believe his expected batting average was far higher mm -hmm. expected on he was base a ryan mountcastle of catchers last year. right he just didn't have the luck uh, that he should have and maybe playing in a different ballpark against different pitchers more regularly is going to help him kind of change around that luck and become what he was with the Chicago White Sox in 2019 where he was one of the best catchers in the American League this is a guy who is like Adam Frazier is poised to bounce back and that's two guys now the Orioles have acquired who had really good uh, 2020s and, and 2019s in years past but didn't necessarily have good 2021 2022s well three guys so, when, you, when you look three at Kyle guys, Gibson sure. too Kyle Gibson's another one yeah an all-star in, in 21 so uh, 
these bounce back guys the Orioles are getting for frankly kind of a discount is is certainly going to help them down the road if these guys uh, end up bouncing back. Yeah, and, and even with that, you don't really need a bounce back from James McCann because no. he's not being brought in here to play every day. Right. You know, he doesn't need to be you, 2019 you, James. McCann. Right. He he just needs to be a guy that hits 240. You know, that you, when you when he's in the lineup on Sunday, you're not thinking, oh, here comes the punt lineup again. He's a guy where you're like, all right, you can bat him eighth, and he's not going to hurt you. And I hope that's the case, because we, you know, he might not have a season worth talking about. He might have an on-base percentage of 225, and he might be really disappointing. That's possible, mm-hmm. but we hope that's not the case, and I, I think that's not going to be the case. Well, and you, But you also have to look at it like this. He was brought in, and he was like the big name that they brought in a couple of years ago, where it was like, oh, they, they got James McCann, the yeah. match are really going for it now, and he didn't live up to that. There's less pressure here. Definitely. Right? You you've got a team that's coming that's on the up and up that won eighty three games out of nowhere last year. They've got arguably the best young catcher in baseball in Adley Rutschman. Yep. So you don't need to be the guy. You can be the mentor for that guy. And it gives you an opportunity to kind of sit back, take a breath, and be like, you know what? I'm just here to play baseball. Instead of I'm here to play baseball and lead this team. I'm here right. to be to be a role player on this team that's already got its leaders. And I can lead in a different way. So for me, the James McCann, I am in love with this deal. I loved this deal. For me, it was like we're gonna get, we're gonna get Tucker Barnhart. We're gonna get yeah. Uh, we're gonna get Perez. I, like, uh, and instead, it's you get James McCann, who was he, he could start on a lot of different teams, and he's your backup catcher. I I love it's a far higher him. ceiling than you know Tucker Barnhart or any of the other guys that were available. Really, so that's that's a great it's a great idea, and you know at five million it makes a lot of sense. It, it, just, makes, it just makes a lot of sense. Absolutely makes a lot of sense. Like the, the, that the Mets are willing to eat nineteen million of that twenty four million dollars is it's crazy, and you know good for the Orioles, good for Michael Elias for getting that deal done. Um, so then the Orioles say it's been a back and forth, right? They they, they was it claimed Lewin Diaz off waivers a, a, few, yeah. a, a few several weeks ago, and then they DFA'd him, and then he got claimed, and then so they traded cash considerations to the Royals for Ryan O'Hearn, yeah. and then Diaz becomes available again. They claim Diaz again. He's like the new Hanser Alberto. So Diaz was traded to the Braves for cash considerations at one point, but he was claimed off waivers in the first place. That's how it actually transpired, and then he was claimed again. So this is the second claim by the Orioles. So he was, but he was traded to. They the Braves. traded him. He was, yeah, for cash considerations. He was traded to the Braves. Yes. So yep. they they signed, him. and then the Braves DFA'd him. They traded him, and then the Braves DFA'd him, and then the Correct. Orioles claimed him back. Correct. And so then the Orioles DFA. O'Hearn. O'Hearn. Now, if O'Hearn clears waivers, he's going to stay in the organization because he's owed $1.4 million right. this coming season. And if he elects free agency, he forfeits that money. Right? So he's, and then somebody's probably going to end up signing him for the league minimum. He had exactly. already, he had already settled his, um, arbitration with, with the Royals. So I have a good feeling that O'Hearn is going to end up staying with the Orioles, staying in the yeah. organization. Um, and now they they're going to have that depth. Lewin Diaz is a better defender. He's younger. He's got more pop. Has not translated minor league success to the major league level yet. Um, that doesn't mean that either of them are going to be on the opening day roster. But it's a nice insurance to have. A nice left, nice left-handed bats that you can potentially have come off the bench or fill a need when Ryan Mountcastle needs to, needs a breath. Right. Right. So um, I, I I don't hate it. A lot of people are like. So basically, the Orioles gave cash to the Royals for nothing. Well, I mean, if you look at it, so the Braves did that too. 
I mean, Correct. Right. Exactly. So, um, but yeah. So, so we're still looking at. I, I, I look at the Orioles lineup, and Adam Frazier, I guess, elongates. He he wasn't the bat that we're mm-hmm. looking for. Um, I've given up all hope on them acquiring any other kind of bat to to fill a hole in this roster. But when you look at it, really, I do this every year. Right, I do this every year where I convince myself that they're okay. Where I convince myself that them not making a move is justifiable. Mm-hmm. Right, Because I wanted them to get a guy who's a legitimate middle-of-the-order bat. But by acquiring Adam Frazier, you then push a legitimate uh, middle-of-the-order bat into that position. Because Adam Frazier, if he's Adam Frazier 2021 and before, yeah. bats second in your order. He, he does. Could, he could bat second in your order. You have Mullins batting first. And then now you have Henderson third, Rutschman fourth, yep. Mountcastle fifth, Santander sixth, and now your lineup looks a lot better. Yeah, right. It looks a lot better as opposed to Rutschman second, Henderson third, or like it, it was. Pop- I don't know. In a situation where you ended up having Mountcastle and Santander three four in your lineup or four five, and that was something that they just couldn't have this year. So, um, where do we stand? Where, where do how do the Orioles look to you at this point? Do you think they're done making moves, or are we looking at a situation where there's still maybe a trade to be done for a starting pitcher? Yeah, I think starting pitcher is the one last domino to fall here. Um, they haven't got the guy that everyone kind of felt they'd go out and get. Kyle Gibson is is not that guy. He's a supplementary piece, but I don't think he is the piece they were looking for as far as uh, free agent starting pitchers. And we heard that they were dabbling in that second tier, not the Jacob deGrom tier, mm-hmm. but the second tier below that, where there were a lot of guys that they probably made offers to him. Mean, you look at uh, Chris Bassett, for example, who we were almost convinced that was going to be an Oriole. Um, he went to Toronto, but you almost got to believe that the Orioles went out there and tried to sign Chris Bassett mm-hmm. and other guys in that tier. So maybe now you're, you're dipping more into that third, fourth tier you're looking a little bit lower, uh, but I, I think there's still guys to go out there and get. There's still guys available. Um, I think I believe Zach Granke's still available, and I wouldn't hate that. It, yeah. it seems like a move that makes a lot of sense to me if you can do it for the right price, and especially in this ballpark now. Um, I think a soft tosser would have a little bit of success. Waka's so. available. Zach, Michael Waka. Uh, yeah. Zach Davies is available. Michael Waka is the guy I want the least out of all of those guys. Yeah. Zach Davies is a guy who's had success Every year, despite what his peripherals say, what they say he's going to do, he's had success yeah. every year. I think except for one. One year his ERA was like above five, but every other year his ERA has been basically below four. Yeah. Um, Michael Waka had his first year of success since like 2016. Yeah. Last year, and he only threw like 130 some odd. But he was innings. good. He was really good. Yeah, I mean. but he only threw like 130 some odd innings. Sure. And it's he, he hasn't thrown that many since 2016, and it was his first bit of success. He was really good, and with this Orioles pitching. Um, Co- pitching coaching staff, maybe they can get more of that from him. I'm just if they don't sign him, I'm not like it didn't bother me to see Rich Hill sign elsewhere. It won't bother me to see Michael Walker, Zach right. Davies sign elsewhere. Zach Granke wouldn't bother me either because I just don't expect him here. But if if the Orioles were to make a move for him, I would love that because he's a yeah. veteran who still knows how to get the job done and he can give you 150 innings. The Pirates, by the way, released a hype video for Rich Hill. So. Go watch that. Get hyped for uh, 41-year-old, 42-year-old Rich Hill on the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. I think it'll be 43 by the time the season starts. <laughs> that was something. I watched the video. It was it was something. But, yeah, yeah I mean, there, there's guys out there, and they're, they're going to have to dip into that third and fourth tier, and, and you know, they're not going to give out a big contract at this point. I think maybe the max they give out, five or six million. I just don't think they're really willing to give out that much at this point in the offseason with who's left on the table. So, Michael Waka probably gets the most money, but Zach Greinke, given his resume, given his experience, could get 
four, five million, maybe a little less than that, somewhere in that range. Yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll see if the Orioles have any other moves up their sleeve. That remains to be seen. Spring training, only about five weeks away. Um, it's and it's it's coming fast. So that's what she said. So it's <laughs> uh it, it it should be here sooner than you think. Yep. Um, what hasn't gotten here sooner than we thought, and it's finally here is our second round matchup in the Orioles family feud Orioles podcast family feud I think Monday marks 4 weeks since our first round matchup Was it really well yeah, when when we uh took down Mass and All Access who then lost in the second round this past week and they are now eliminated uh, they are now eliminated and look I've been watching these matchups and we're going up against Section 336 podcast tomorrow yeah. at 8 p.m. Yep I, I, We can't lose we can't lose. No, we can't. I, 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 I <laughs> honest to God, feel like we have to be the favorites in this thing moving forward. I think we are. I, I like. I, I'm. I have uh, talking birdie did pretty well. They from did. what I watched, they did. They, well. they did. Yeah. They did. Now, um, but a lot of this, a lot of some of their, their some of their points came from stealing, mm-hmm. right? So the other team, I think it was the Warehouse Podcast. Yeah. Um, Got a lot of the answers and then just got the three strikes. They were struggling, man. And then and then, <laughs> talking birdie stole. What I've realized about myself is, this is this podcast family feud is all recency bias. It's a, it is. It's a lot of recency bias. And my and I'm not patting myself on the back here. My knowledge of Orioles history is very vast. So very vast. Can you say that? Yeah. It's, 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 it, I have a vast knowledge vast. of of of. Orioles history. You do. So I know too much. So I'm com- I'm coming out of the Warbucks with answers here and answers there and answers everywhere. And I have to think like an Orioles fan today, like your average Orioles fan that knows this history for the last 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. but probably, and they, they know like the bigger names like Mike Mussina and Jim Palmer and stuff like that, but they aren't going to remember that Pat Henkin started the uh in two thousand opening day two thousand three. Yeah, we went over that last <laughs> week, didn't we? Yeah, we, we did. well we, three three weeks, three weeks ago. ago. Um so they're, they're not or four weeks really. They're not gonna remember stuff like that. So I need to stop pulling that stuff out and I think passing a lot is going to be our best option. Let's not uh let's not give our, our strategy away here. It doesn't matter. We're the one seed. We're the one seed. We are the one seed. We're the one seed. Um so yeah we got that coming up tomorrow. Coming up on this show here, uh, we've got Stan the Fan Charles in a matter of moments. We're going to talk a little Orioles baseball with him. And then from MLB.com, the Orioles newest beat writer for MLB.com, Jake Rill, is joining the show to talk about where he's come from, how he got here, and then uh, what the Orioles plans are moving forward before we get into some Orioles banter. A little bit of trivia. I hope Zach has a good one cooked up for I do. me this week. And uh, all that and more. So Zach's going to get Stan on the line here while I let you know that the next Tyus Bowser show, uh, which was canceled this week in light of the Damar Hamlin um, tragic event, and he is making a really solid and fast recovery. So uh, prayers and blessings up to Damar Hamlin and his family. Uh, so the Tyus Bowser show was canceled this week, and we will be moved to next week. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, January 10th at Guilford Hall Brewery in Station North. Tyus and a special guest will join Rita and Glenn on Tuesday. This is your opportunity to meet Baltimore football stars while getting the inside scoop on the purple and black. The Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership of PressBox and Great Eights Memorabilia and brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Grill. Find out more at PressBoxOnline.com slash 
Bowser. And if you happen to miss the show, you can check it out Friday nights throughout the season on 105.7 The Fan. So join us at Guilford Hall Brewery this Tuesday, January 10th, for the final Tyus Bowser show of the season. Joining us now on the line, it's been far too long since we last talked to this gentleman. He is Stan the Fan. Charles Stan, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning, guys. How is uh how happy, is your holiday? Happy healthy happy healthy new year to you guys. Same to you, same to you. How was your uh, holiday season and the new year? Uh everything's going okay. Everything's going okay so far. Good, good, good. Now that's not the case uh for Carlos Correa and Trevor Bauer Stan. Carlos Correa <laughs> signs a huge deal with the Giants and it gets negated because of uh something that came up in the physical. He then signs a Spurns and signs a similar deal with the Mets. And then that gets complicated by the same things that showed up in their physical. And then Trevor Bauer gets reinstated and promptly released by the Dodgers. You still owe him $22.5 million. Let's start with uh, Carlos Correa first. How do you see this thing working itself out? Correa, two deals that may be completely nixed now. What is his future in this game? Uh, I think his future is uh, still pretty, a lot brighter than yours or I, Paul. I have a uh, damn good Zach future, I'll have, have you know. Zach may have a very bright future in the he game. Does. You said in the game. Yeah, okay? You're right, you're right. Uh, all kidding aside, I think it's pretty clear right now. It really looks like he's going to end up back where he started. And I would imagine that there'll be some, there'll, you know, he's, I'm not saying he doesn't have any leverage here, Scott Boros, but I think they'll end up sort of doubling what he did in his last deal with the Twins. I think he'll end up with like a six- or seven-year deal with an opt-out after maybe maybe the Twins can say, hey, this opt-out is, doesn't kick in until the third year or something like that. Right. And uh, he'll take a little less money, a little less, uh, you know, in the, in the way things work out these days, the more frequently you can get to free agency, the more money you may be able to make. So I don't think I don't think he'll end up uh, looking for any meals. Uh, I think he'll end up with a six or seven year deal with maybe an opt out after the second or third year with the Twins. I think ultimately you're correct. I think he ends up back with the Twins too, with a lot of stuff to help ensure that they don't get screwed over by by that deal. Now with Trevor Bauer one of the best pitchers in the game, and then he had that incident a few years back and never pitched an inning for the Dodgers. And then, or maybe he did. I can't remember exactly when that no, happened. No, he pitched, he, pitched he pitched a little bit for the Dodgers. Did, did, yeah. I think you're right. He did pitch a little bit for the Dodgers, but nothing that lived up to $40-plus million a year. Uh, now he's back out on the market. You and I talked about this briefly in an email this morning. Uh, what team is going to take a flyer on this guy at this point? He's really an outspoken personality, and he has this uh, cloudy uh, past. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I I kind of predicted that he would never pitch in the major leagues again. Uh, it's a couple of years down the road. I'm not saying I've differed a great deal. I, I really think that, I think that Trevor Bauer would be wise to try and sign a short-term deal in Japan and see if maybe, uh, you know, his baggage doesn't quite uh, hang on him like it is. I don't know anybody that's going to want Trevor Bauer right now. The, the, PR, the PR hit is, is going to be significant with whomever 
would sign a deal with Trevor Bauer. Now, let me ask you this, Stan. Last year around this time, uh, Matt Harvey was dealing with the Tyler Skagg stuff, and then all this stuff came out about his rampant drug use and all that, and then the Orioles took another fly. Now, he'll never pitched again in the majors for the Orioles, but they put him back in their organization, and he served that suspension. Is is the Trevor Bauer situation, why it's is much, that? It's much, it's, it's much worse. It's an assault. It's it's an assault, and it's an assault on a woman. Yeah. Um. You know. You, you know. It's very different when you de- and, and let's let's be clear. Matt Harvey was not a major, some kind of major drug dealer. Sure. Uh. He was passing drugs along. Maybe he got paid for him. Maybe he didn't to friends. And he probably just as easily could have taken drugs from the guy. Yeah. You know, that that ended up dying. Uh, uh, his name's escaping me right now. Who was Tyler uh, Skaggs? Tyler Skaggs. Tyler Skaggs. I, yeah. Okay, it was in my head, and I'm going. Boy, that doesn't sound right. Hmm. Anyway, there was no intention to inflict harm on that person. Sure. So it's vastly, vastly different. Now, if Matt Harvey had done what he did and had still had Trevor Bauer's uh, abilities, Matt Harvey would be. I mean, uh, yeah, Matt Harvey would be picked up. And be making a lot of money. Yeah, uh, this, this is just a very ugly scene. And I'll be honest with you; it wasn't until yesterday when I was doing Glenn's show. Glenn said, "Well, have you ever seen the picture?" I'd never really seen the pictures of what the woman looked like. You know, so, see, uh, pretty, they're pretty nasty. I mean, you know, it's a very look. I, I'm not, I'm not a pure Puritan in terms of kinky sex or anything like that. But a person in the public eye like that, to think that somehow, ah, you know, I can, she, she likes rough sex and I can do this and they would never get out. It's just a very poor decision. You, no, know? you are absolutely right. And, and, and I want to be clear that I'm not trying to minimize any of this stuff. This happened a couple of years ago, so I'm not, my, my brain is a little bit foggy on the issue. What, what I remembered was that there was a rough right. sex situation that he claimed that she asked for. And I'm not trying to minimize. I would never, I don't think that, abusing women is should ever be a thing that's a part of society i just wasn't clear on what on what happened with that i feel like i felt like i i heard that the charges have been dropped and i've also never seen the pictures he is he has never been he has never been fully charged on anything uh i don't believe but but it's just it's a really really awful i mean the dodgers the dodgers if anybody can take a hit and keep on ticking. You know, it's the Dodgers. Yeah. They've got the money, uh, and they wanted nothing to do with them. Now, aside from that, I've often heard he's not the greatest teammate in the world. Yeah. But, but you know, that's not what's got him in this situation right now. It's it's the, the kind of incident he was involved with. And I, I'll just be honest with you. To me, he goes to Japan. He can make a good chunk of money there for two seasons. Then it's a different story. It's it's now four years down the road. He hasn't had any incident. Somebody can then say, you know what, we'll take a chance on this guy. We think he's been rehabilitated or something like that. But right now, you know, I don't see the Pittsburgh Pirates taking a chance on him. I don't see the Tampa Bay Rays taking a chance on him. I don't see the Baltimore Orioles taking a chance on him. To me, he's kind of like poison right now. He's radioactive to me. Stan, does does the fact that he was 
DFA'd instead of outright released. Uh, surprise you at all. That gives them the chance to trade him over 10 days, to do a number of things with him. They have options now, uh, given the DFA, and obviously one of those is just to straight release him in the end. But why wouldn't they just straight release him now? Why, why does the DFA make sense for the Dodgers? Uh, I guess it makes sense that maybe there's an organization out there that'll say, hey, you know what? We, we'll, we'll inherit this one year left $23 million. There's no question as a pitcher, he's worth what he's due. Okay? Sure. Um, So the question is, is there an organization out there that feels strong enough in their community that they can take a hit on, no pun intended, take a hit on this? Uh, And maybe, uh, you know, maybe I'm, uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe a team like the St. Louis Cardinals would say, you know what, we've got a pretty clean history and people will trust us i I just for me i don't see it right now you know to me he's got to be further rehabilitated if that's the correct word he's got to be further from the incident to me where there's no other some kind of other charge comes up you know chances are um zach and and paul a lot of times when you commit something, a crime of any kind, whether it's a bank robbery or something, when you get caught, it's probably not the only time you've done this. Yeah, yeah, that's, so, a, that's an excellent you know, point. So somebody's sitting there and they're going, okay, this woman came forward. There's an awful lot of women that may be so embarrassed by the situation that they say, you know, I'll put makeup on for a week or 10 days and I'll keep my mouth shut and... uh you know, and who knows, maybe he's paid off women in the past. We don't know that either. So it's just a, it's it's a really, anybody that would make that decision yeah. that would say, hey, in the light of day, uh, if it's exposed what I did, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I won't be, the hit won't be, that's a guy who's making really poor judgments. Yeah, no, I I can't imagine being in that situation and saying, yeah, let's do that when I have all that money and all that uh, public exposure on the line. You're absolutely correct. Now, something that's better for the Orioles, they go out, uh, since we last talked, Sam, they go out and they sign Michael Givens uh, a few days after our last show. And why I like this signing, Stan, is they're bringing Michael Givens back in a a different role than Brandon Hyde used him in in 2019. He's not looking at him as being the guy in the ninth inning now. Now he kind of goes back to that role that he flourished in from 2015 through 2018, where Zach Britton was your closer, and he was kind of a guy that you could pitch in the 6th, 7th, or 8th, and sometimes the ninth innings, and he can help you get big outs when you need them. I think this makes the Orioles' bullpen a lot stronger. How do you feel about the signing, and how do you feel about the Orioles' bullpen as a strength at this point? Uh, I'm really happy. Look, uh, overall, I'd probably give the Orioles like a, a, a C-plus on what they've done in the off season, sure. You know, even maybe a B minus, but but there there need to me there needed to be one more starting pitcher, you know, acquired. Yeah. Um, um, but overall, I I like this move a great deal. Uh, I think the fact that they didn't r- totally rest on the laurels of you know of Keegan Aiken and Dylan Tate and uh, Bautista. And uh, I know I'm leaving one major. Brian name Baker there, and CNL uh, Perez. Brian Baker and CNL Perez, right? Um, I think, as you saw late in the year, partly because of the sheer number of innings 
that whole group pitched. The 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 weakest link turned out to be Joey Crable, mm-hmm. who pitched very well for 20, 20, 25 innings. But his last 20 innings was probably more realistic of, of who he was and that he was probably tuckered out, you know. I think that the, the and and the Orioles don't shape up right now, in my opinion, to have giant inning eaters, you know, that are still coming two years off the pandemic. We're building up our starting pitching, which means that the weakest link could be that last guy, major guy in the bullpen. I feel a lot more comfortable that it's Michael Givens than it is Joey Crable. Yeah, I I, I look at the, so, at the- I, so I think the bullpen is still a big strength on this team, and it's been made stronger. Oh, and, Brandon, it's given Brandon Hyde another hand to deal with. And it makes it so that if you get through the fifth inning with a lead, it's going to be a lot more difficult for those other teams to come back on you. When Michael Givens is your sixth inning guy, you know, then you have Dylan Tate, you know, Perez and Felix Bautista backing him up. It, it makes that bullpen just much deeper and makes games much shorter for your team, especially when you, like you mentioned, when your starting pitchers might not be giving you much more than five or six innings every five or five and a third innings every single night. So I, I love the move. I also love the move for James yeah. McCann. We were talking about Stan, them getting a backup catcher who was going to be weak offensively, but it's probably going to be a defensive minded backup. And then they go out and trade for James McCann. who's a former all-star. He still has pop in his bag. He's a, he's not a great defender, but he's a good enough defender. And now they have, in my mind, they have one of the best catching tandems in all of baseball. Uh, check all the boxes. You're right. You know, uh, I love McCann. Uh, uh-huh. I, I sort of discovered him the first series coming out. I really went into the draft in my fantasy league. This is about 2017. And I, I have a habit sometimes when I'm, when I want somebody, people in my league, I'm not saying they don't know their stuff cause they're good players too. But if I want them, they go, hey, what's he see? You know, and I'll never forget. I thought I was going to get him for like two or three dollars, and nobody knew him. And and somebody got in a bidding war and ended up stealing him from me at like ten or eleven dollars. Wow. Um, I I like McCann a lot. I still do. Uh, I think there's more there. This is a guy, and we see it with uh, backup quarterbacks. You know, and we're seeing it now with Hundley. I'm telling you, if Rutschman, for some reason, did go down with an injury and had to miss 30, 35 games or something like that, McCann, McCann's a good major league catcher, mm-hmm. you know, who happened to not fit in New York. Whether it was the New York experience overwhelmed him a little bit. I know this past year, because I got to talk to him on the media Zoom, uh, he had some injuries, and he said he'd gotten into some bad habits in 21 that he, even though he was hurt last year, he felt like he was making progress on those getting out of those bad habits. So he's a pretty confident guy. Uh, I think he, I think he's grown up enough to know that he's going to be playing behind uh, Rutschman quite a bit, uh, and I think he, he'll end up playing a little bit of first, a little BH on this team. You know, I, I like to move a lot. Yeah, I, I think that the move just makes makes the team stronger, and now you don't feel like... You, you, when it's when Rutschman's not in the lineup, you are taking a little bit of a step back, but you don't feel like you're taking a huge step back because he's playing on a Sunday afternoon like you did when you had yeah, Robinson this guy Chirinos. is not this guy is not, uh, you know, Robinson Chirinos offensively. 
and he's still very competent uh, as a defender as well. So, uh, touche. I love the fact that they they only owe him five million dollars yeah. for two years. You know, it's just, it's, rem- it's a remarkable deal. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to have the money that Stephen Cohn has to be able yeah. to throw it around like oh, that. Oh man, just about everybody in the world would love to have that. Would love to have that kind of yeah. money. My my gosh! Now the Orioles, a yeah. um, couple of years back when they traded Michael Givens, they got Taron Vavra and uh, Tyler Nevin in that deal. Now Tyler Nevin has been traded to the Tigers for cash considerations. Played 64 games over two seasons with the Orioles. He slashed 205, 312, 292, Writing's kind of been on the wall, Stan, with Tyler Nevin for several months now. Uh, they gave him an opportunity last year. He played some third base, played some first base, and he just never took off despite being a former first-round pick and the son of a former prolific slugger in, um, uh, I can't remember, rem- Phil Nevin. Phil Nevin. In, in Phil, Phil Nevin. Nevin. Uh, Who's managing the Los Angeles Angels of that That is correct. Now, is, is there something there with Tyler Nevin that he just hasn't tapped into yet, or is this kind of a move that you saw kind of coming because he's just never going to reach that level. Well, it could be both of those things. I, I mean, I didn't see the fit for him uh, here in Baltimore right now. And and you, I'm not saying he had a great opportunity, you know, that was, was, you know, but he was given enough opportunity to show a little bit more. Now, that doesn't mean that Tyler Nevin can't, can't make it on this. So I think it's a good pickup for a team like Detroit. Who really is still has gone backwards mm-hmm. and is now starting a different type of rebuild. Um, so I, I just didn't see the fit here in Baltimore for him. Yeah, there there, there wasn't a spot for him. You saw him; he was going to probably play a lot of first base down in AAA. I just didn't see a, a big league. Maybe he gets a, a few games at the big league level because of an injury at some point. But th- you're right; there just wasn't really a spot for him. Now there seems to be a spot on the roster. Or at least on the forty man for Lewin Diaz, the Orioles traded. Uh, the Orioles signed him, then they traded him to Atlanta for cash considerations, and Atlanta DFA'd him. The Orioles, in the meantime, trade cash considerations to the Royals for Ryan O'Hearn. Two days later, Diaz becomes available again. They pick him up and they DFA um, Ryan O'Hearn. Diaz is younger and a better, def- far better defender, uh, at least from what I've been told, um, and does have good power, but it's just yet to translate to the big league level. Does the Orioles kind of love affair with him make you think that there's a spot for him on this roster at some point? Um, it's a possibility. Uh, you know, I still think they might be able to do better. I was I was intrigued by the idea of getting Eric Hosmer, you know, mm-hmm. at the cost that that, uh, that would have been associated with him. And I'd be curious to talk to him about why he thinks the Cubs are sort of a better fit for him or whether they sweeten the pot in some way I, I didn't read anything along those lines but you know it seems to me the Orioles are a more attractive team than the Cubs right now although the Cubs uh, are doing some things that give you if you're a Cubs fan give you a little heart uh, and hope um, there's one other player out there at this late stage that was just released by the Cincinnati Reds I was about to ask you about uh, now yeah and uh I'm not ready to say I'd sign him based on, you know, uh, based on his numbers the past two seasons. But Mike Elias and Sigmadol and the staff, they know how much injuries may have played a part in that. Um, you know, I think Mostakis is probably 33 or 34 years old at this point. Uh, he's two years removed from a 
big, big season with the Reds, um, I'd certainly, you know, I'd certainly be in line to invite him to spring training. Uh, I don't know if at this point that's good enough to, to bring him into the fold, but I'd sure be intrigued to take a look at him as a, you know, a left-handed platoon player. And he, unlike Rufnet Odor, he really can play multiple positions. I know he can play second, which he has with the Reds, and he can play third, and he probably can play a little first base and DH. Stan, so, he's. He... I, I'd be intrigued. I'd be intrigued by a former world champion who, as recently as two years ago, put up big numbers. But I'd have to do my homework and know what his injuries were. So he he was a 35 homer guy and an all star in 2019 for Milwaukee, and the numbers never. Ba- when yep. he went to Cincinnati after that, he hasn't played more than 78 games in a season, and the, the the numbers have just been absolutely dreadful. But it's clear that he's just been often injured. Stan, yep. there, there's yep. one other guy on the on the free agent market right now that I find somewhat interesting as far as first base goes, and that's Brandon Belt. Um, he's going to his age 35 season, but two years ago had a 378 on base percentage. Last year uh, had a 326 on base percentage, and a guy that you know is somewhat of an upgrade. I didn't, compared I didn't to, realize I didn't realize he was still out there. Yeah, uh, Brandon Belt's still yeah, out there. I right? would I would have definite interest in him, and I okay. put him in front. I put him in front of Mustakas. But am I right, Zach? Mustakas is is being released, and the Reds have the obli- the financial obligation. Correct. correct? I believe that's year. the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the only difference. Uh, Belt's probably an eight million dollar player or six million dollar player. Sure. Yeah, it's pretty apparent the Orioles are you know liftoff didn't include uh, uh, unlimited funding. It was uh, budgetary reasons that the Orioles have done what they've done. I, so, in terms of if you ask me which player I'd rather have, it would be Brandon Belt, uh, but I don't think that that's in their budget right now. Yeah, I I, I, I don't know. He, he was injured last year, didn't have a great year. Zach's right, a couple of years ago, he, in 97 games, he had 29. Had, yeah. I, think he's had, I think he's had some back problems, mm-hmm. um, and I think there may have been a little bit of uh, thought that uh, – Bruce Bochy was going to pick him up in Texas and uh, never panned out. So uh, if he's still out there, he's certainly worth uh, talking to. And it, no it, question it, about it. It comes down to, Stan, how the player views himself at this point. Does he view himself as a guy who, if he's healthy, he should still be playing every day? Or does he view himself as a guy who, you know, he can still be in the big leagues and be a, a bench player and an occasional DH and a backup first baseman? If he views himself that way... There's going to be a deal out there for him. It's just what his headspace is at this point with who he is as a player. So uh, if, if, yep. if the Orioles were able to pick him up, again, he had 29 home runs in 97 games in 2021, and he had that yep. 378 on base percentage. That's a player right. that, I would, that I would not hate seeing coming no. off the bench for the Orioles. No, for, I would not. Well, off the bench or if the Orioles become convinced uh, in mid-May that Ryan Mountcastle is the Ryan Mountcastle of 2022 mm-hmm. and not the one from 2020 or the second half of 21, you know, they, they've got to make part of, you know, not going out and signing big people is, is finding out uh, what your players really do. I'm, I'm confident that, that the Ryan Mountcastle – at least the first half of 2023 is going to be an improved player. 
The question is, will he carry it out throughout a whole season? You know, we, we can't have what his profile is with the Orioles. He can't have a three oh five one base percentage. Absolutely, and, you know, no. it's Absolutely just no. not. It's not acceptable. You know, and then I think the Orioles will move on from him. And and I got to be honest with you, if June comes around and he's floundering, you know, a guy like Brandon Belt would be more than a left-handed hitter off the bench. He'd be starting to play a good bit. I and think. still had a higher a higher OBP than Malcastle did last year by uh, yeah. 21 points, yeah. despite hitting 213. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. If Brandon Bell could be had at a reasonable price. I think the D Orioles should jump all over that. We still got about five weeks till spring training. So, moves could still be made to this point. Stan, the Orioles have spent about 25, 28 million this offseason. When you think about Gibson, Michael Givens, Adam Frazier, and the, and the trade for James McCann. And I wrote this in the notes to you that none of these moves, they individually blow you away. But it's a situation where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. I think that the Orioles are better today than they were on October 5th when the season ended. Do you agree with that sentiment? And do you think that there's still maybe a trade in the works to get another starting pitcher into this rotation? Yeah, and remember when you say they've spent $25 million, ten, 10 of that is money that they would have spent on Lyles. That's so true. Really, you know, so that, that money was sort of budgeted for a guy like that. Uh, I, I thought when you wrote that in the notes this week for discussion – I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, each move to me is an incrementally better move for the team. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think they've improved their on base percentage in McCann and uh, and uh, Frazier. I think they've improved the bullpen. I think there's more of an upside for Gibson. Me too. Given who he's going to be working with and the ballpark he's going to pitch in, uh, I think there's a room for him to be much more like the pitcher that was an all-star the first half in in uh, 2021 than the second half of that season or 2022. So I like all the moves. I think the Orioles are better. I do still think there's a trade out there. And, I, you know, again, I find it very interesting that the Marlins are looking at signing Johnny Cueto, uh, who to me would be the perfect fit for the Orioles. Uh, I guess, except for the amount of money he'd want. But if they acquire Cueto, that might make one of their younger pitchers more available to us. And we've certainly got a little bit of trading ammunition in whether it's uh, Urias, Stowers, some combination, Mullins, Hayes. The Orioles have some ammunition to trade for a pitcher they think that they can control and isn't making a gigantic sum of money right now. Uh, so that that's the one thing I see out there is the Marlins as a potential trade partner for the Orioles. Well, yeah, the, the Marlins, the, everybody keeps coming back to the Marlins because of the pitching that they do have. I've heard that the Mets are making some of their pitchers available, namely uh, David Peterson. That's somebody I wouldn't mind seeing the Orioles pick up. He's young and good. Um, so th- th- there could be another move on the horizon. Like I said, we've got five weeks until spring training starts, but it'll be here before you know it. So, uh, Stan, what can we plug for you before we let you go today? Uh, Tuesday night, uh, the Zoom that I do on Monday nights will take place this week on Tuesday because uh, I needed to take off Monday night. We've got former uh, Major League pitcher Jim Gott on. Jim was the uh, pitching coach for Dave Trembley's team this past summer, the draft league or you know the non-drafted league. 
um, and uh, amateur baseball. And uh, Thursday night, Gary Stein and I will have um, Ahmed Kiefer, who runs the blackandgold.com, which is a University of Maryland uh, basketball and football recruiting uh, uh, content. So we're looking forward to both of those this week. Oh, very good stuff. Very good stuff. Stan, always a pleasure to talk to you. We will talk to you next yep. weekend. Enjoy yourself, all right? All right. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Bye. Take care. And that was Stan the Fan Charles, who here in 2023 will continue to have two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Gary caught up with former Towson quarterback Dan Crawley to discuss his new role running Maryland football's NIL collective. Find that show under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan and Ross are back on Tuesday this week, welcoming former Major League Baseball pitcher Jim Gott, whose first career win just so happened to be Game 1 of Cal Ripken's streak, as Stan just said. So tune in for that and more from Stan the Fan Charles this week. Zach, Stan was talking about Cueto maybe signing with the Marlins, the, the Marlins may be willing to... Tra- Everybody talks about the Marlins. Is that like the one spot that the Orioles need to go to for starting pitching? Is Or can you see another move being made? I, I think that whole narrative of the Marlins being the de facto trade partner for the Orioles came from the fact that the Marlins were looking for outfielders really mm-hmm. the past three years. And they've talked about uh, Brian Reynolds possibly from you know from the Pirates. And they, they've still had discussions. And, and that's something they've been interested in. And also the fact that they have that wealth of pitching talent uh, both in their system and in the major leagues. There's guys like Pablo Lopez. There's a lot of players there that could really help out a lot of teams. So I think that's where the narrative came from. I don't know if they're the team. Um, you know, they've made trades with the Orioles in the past obviously we saw tanner scott richard blyer there's been moves there but that I, marlin's a uh, trade partner put us over the top it, in it's, the, in it the sure did and, and, and family feud yeah um but you know i other than those two things i don't really think there's any reason to think that that would be the team uh there's a lot of other teams out there that have a lot of good pitching talent in their system and and certainly the orioles could could really find a guy from like the mets even like you said with david mm-hmm. peterson there, there's guys available everywhere the marlins are just the team that kind of makes the most sense given the fact that they have a need that the orioles have so it, it makes a lot of sense in that regard but they're the orioles will shop around if they're looking to make that trade and i'm still not convinced they're gonna make a trade at all i'm not really convinced at this point either um you know generally the winter meetings and and right after are kind of the time that we see some of the biggest trades happen and that's mm-hmm. been the case so far this offseason and we didn't really hear anything about the orioles are, are talking to this team or talking to that team and and i was there and certainly didn't hear any of that um so i, I really don't expect anything at this point but maybe next offseason they'll start to to look around a little bit more to some of those higher profile guys yeah and we're, we're going to get into this offseason and what it means for next offseason yeah. when we get to orioles banter here in a little bit i just wanted to get your opinion on that because everybody's convinced it's the marlin but I'm not convinced they make a deal at all. Yeah. So, and it's whatever everybody thinks is going to happen usually doesn't happen yeah. from my experience in this industry. So, uh, we'll see what true. goes on. I would not be shocked in the least to see the Orioles move forward from here with the roster that they currently have. I I, I do think signing another guy to be a, a, a first baseman 
like a Moustakis or a Brandon Belt, um, is more likely than them trading for a starting pitcher. Yeah, at this br- point. Brandon Belt makes a lot of sense. We haven't talked about it a lot because I think he hit two thirteen last year, and that's yeah. and, and he's a guy his on base percentage dropped by fifty points, so that's a, a clear drop off for him. And he's getting to his age thirty five season, but he makes a lot of sense off the bench if he's willing to take that role. Yeah, absolutely, and, and he's a great insurance policy if. He gets back to being the player he was two years ago, and Mountcastle seems to force another seems to flounder. Another thing that we're going to talk about in Orioles band. We got to catch our first break. I want to remind you, the press box is offering new sports betters the best sign-up bonuses and promos from all seven of Maryland's online sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com/offers now and get offers like two hundred dollars in free bets from DraftKings after placing your first five dollar bet or one thousand dollars in risk-free bets from BetMGM. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports. Books. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers and sign up today. When we come back from MLB.com, Jake Rill joins the show. That next on The Batter Round. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual best of issue. On the cover, we recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the Birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The weather outside is really unpleasant, so it's time to warm up with some comfort classics this winter at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Try the twisted ribs and wings combo. It's two full pounds of meat, the mac and cheese bites, Mr. Richard's meatloaf, the citrus salmon, the winter spinach salad, and for dessert, here's internet radio personality Griffin Bass to tell you about the bourbon butter cake. Oh my god, it's so good. Pair it with a blood orange bourbon cider or a devil's backbone cranberry smash. Place your order now at glorydaysgrill.com Glory Days Grill great food good sports what's up everyone this is Tyus bowser and i'm excited to tell you that i'm back for season two of the Tyus bowser show in partnership with press box and great ace memorabilia join us on tuesday nights throughout the season as i'll be heading all over town with my special guests and of course our co-hosts glenn and rita where's the rita and glenn what is it i look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life and if you happen to miss the show you can now catch a replay friday nights on 1057 the fan get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, January 10th at Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. It's brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. 
Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code TAILGATE. That's ginsugrills.com. Reserve yours today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. All right. Welcome back to the Battle Round. Glad to be back with you all. Three weeks off was just like... We only missed two shows, but it's been three weeks since our last show. I guess technically three weeks, yeah. 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 So, But it's... um, it's good. it's good to be back. It's good to be back. It's also good to let you know that the Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose... Um, I hate the way this is written. It, 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 it makes it look like you can choose is the second point, but it's not. The Toyota, Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. It is written like that's the second point, but you, the first word in the second point, is lowercase, so it looks like it's still part of the first sentence. I digress. Go to Toyota, uh, go to biotoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas now and go check out your local Toyota dealer to get a new Toyota Tacoma. Um, my stepdad had a Toyota Tacoma, a 2001 that lasted him more than 20 years. So those are some damn good trucks. Go pick up a Toyota Tacoma. Uh, joining us next on the bat around, he is the newest beat writer for the Orioles for MLB. Dot com. His name is Jake Rill, and he is on the line with us now. Good morning, Jake. It's Paul. It's Zach. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you guys this morning? We're doing well. We're doing very well, actually. It's been a few weeks since our last show, so we're just really thrilled to be back talking some baseball. Um, and we're glad that you were able to give us a few minutes of your time this Saturday morning. You were the newest Orioles beat writer for MLB.com. Jake, tell us a little bit about it yourself, a little bit about your background and how you came into this position. Yeah, so I've been with MLB.com in various roles since 2016. Um, the past seven seasons, I've been based out in Arizona. Um, the past few years, I've just kind of contributed to our coverage of all, all 30 teams. Um, when they come through Phoenix, I've contributed different um, all of our sites, um, covered a lot of Cactus League spring training, Arizona Fall League. There was always something going on out there, so um, stayed busy with that. But I am, uh, I'm from Maryland originally, so this is kind of a return home for me, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, 2023. Yeah, I think we all are, especially after that Orioles magical 2022 season, saw them have a 31-win improvement from 2021. So we are excited to see that going. Excited to have you on the beat, giving us Orioles coverage every day for MLB.com. Now, like I mentioned you to start this segment, 
We've been off the last three weeks, and in that time, the Orioles signed Michael Givens. They traded for James McCann. How much of a strength could the Orioles' bullpen be now that they've added Michael Givens, and he doesn't need to be that closer like he was like Brandon Hyde had to use him as in 2019? He can kind of go back to that hybrid role where he can pitch anywhere from the sixth to ninth inning and give you quality innings out of that pen. Yeah, definitely. I think that's probably uh, the best move they've made so far this offseason. Definitely the safest move, just because Givens has been so consistent, even since he's left Baltimore. And, I mean, he seems to be the same pitcher now that he was back when he was then um, in Baltimore. But, you know, like you said, without having to use him in the closer role, they can bring him in sixth, seventh, eighth, whenever they see fit. Um, I think the bullpen was already going to be a strength going into 2023. I mean, just mm-hmm. how well they pitched last year. Um, you think, I think Bautista probably going to take a step forward, be a a good closer for them in the ninth. Um, yeah, I think given this fits in really well to that back end and just gives them another quality arm to turn to when they need to. And and how much does it help out a rotation where now you have a lot of guys who are intriguing arms, but a lot of question marks because a lot of them aren't really proven. They, you know, you, if you get out of the fifth inning with a lead, there's a good chance you're going to win that ball game now. Yeah, definitely. With so many different guys, um, Bautista, CNL Perez, Brian Baker, um, the, the more guys you can have that can bridge that gap from the starter to Bautista. And, and like you said, and some of these starters don't have a ton of experience in the pros still. So, you know, you can't count them to go deep in the game, you know, especially early in the year. Um, so the more guys you have in that mix that can bridge that gap is the, the, the better that this unit can be. And now before we get to the James McCann trade, we are talking about the rotation. The Orioles signed Kyle Gibbons to address their rotation, but when they signed him, it was kind of thought that he was going to be that back-end guy uh, and that they would be looking for more of a top-of-the-rotation guy still uh, out on the market. And it just hasn't come to fruition. They do have anywhere from eight to ten legitimate rotation candidates, and with jo- and then John Means coming back maybe in June um, or the middle of the season. Um, despite that, Gibbons Gibson is the only one really with a track record to speak of out of all the healthy arms. And again, signed to be a back end rotation. It feels like the best scenario left to acquire more pitching is to make a trade. Do you see a trade as being likely for this team to get another guy for the top of the rotation, or do you think that they're pretty much set with where they are right now? Well, I definitely agree with that. I think the trade would be the best way to add a starter just because the free agent market has thinned so much. I mean, maybe they could go for a guy like Michael Walker, but I mean, other than him, I'm I'm not sure signing any of these guys is really going to be that much of a boost when they, like you said, they already have eight to 10 guys. Why add another mid to back end arm? That's just going to block one of the younger guys. Right. Um, maybe they make a trade still. I know there hasn't been a ton of buzz about it. Um, people have talked about the Marlins a lot, but I'm just not sure there's a fit there because the Marlins have been reported looking, you know, trying to add big league players in return for their pitching. And I'm just not sure that's something the Orioles are super comfortable with just because they don't want to, you know, punch a hole in their lineup and, you know, have a hole somewhere in the field just to add pitching. Mm-hmm. I think it'd make more sense for them to find a partner who's looking for prospects so they could, you know, deal from that infield or maybe the outfield depth in the farm system. But if they can't find that, then, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they go into, you know, spring with the current group they have. But I also don't think they're done looking. I also think they're going to keep trying. Michael, I stressed so much at the winter meetings that they, were, that they wanted to add another starting pitcher that I don't think they're just going to quit looking over this next month. I think they're going to keep trying to make something happen. But, you know, whether that actually happens, I guess we'll have to see. Well, and some of the guys that, that don't have a lot of experience, Kyle Bradish is one of the first ones that comes to mind for me. He was he was he had that one brilliant game in May against St. Louis, and then he was just dreadful the rest of the way. He goes on the IL, comes off the IL, and then in his final 13 starts after coming back, 
3-2-8 ERA. He had four brilliant outings in about a six-start stretch where he went seven or more innings with two hits or less in all in each of those starts. How good can Kyle Bradish be, and how do the Orioles view him? When we talked to Matt Blood on the show a couple of years ago, he put him in the, at the same level as Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. Yeah, definitely. I think they're you know high on him, and especially, like you said, he showed at times last year there were flashes that you know he can be a quality starter in this rotation. Um, that's why I think at this point he's Probably, I can't. I can't see how you go into uh, going the season without him being as one of your five with how well he pitched at times last year. Mm-hmm. Especially if they don't add another starter, I think he easily makes the rotation. And I think you know if he gets off to a good start in 2023, then you know he could really lock down that spot and um, just keep building off of you know the uh, positives that he had last season. Now, with guys like Grayson Rodriguez, who lost time due to injury last year, D.L. Hall, who they were was on an innings limit last year, and then they were using him out of the bullpen to keep him under that limit last year. Tyler Wells had an injury, and he was already on a limit. John Means, coming back, he's going to be on a limit. What kind of a limit, really, are we looking for with guys like, uh, looking at with guys like that, and how much does a six-man rotation make sense for this team to kind of keep everybody's arms intact to get through the season? I think a six-man rotation make a good bit of sense. I'm not sure if that's something they're even discussing at this point, but um, at least having Austin both kind of in that swing role just because he does have that starting relieving experience. If you have him who's able to step in at times and maybe you know give some of the other the guys you mentioned an extra day off, and, you know, go a long ways and kind of preserving their arms and keeping their innings kind of lower this year. Um, I think Rodriguez, they're definitely going to watch his innings super close, just coming off the injury and also never been in the big leagues before. Um, you know, it's my expectation that he's probably going to break camp with the team and be in the rotation right at the start of the year. Right. So I think they're going to, you know, keep him, be very careful with him. Um, D.L. Hall, who knows if he's even going to be in the rotation. Brandon Hyde has said that, you know, they're going to stretch him out to multi-inning role to start at spring. But, I mean, there's so many guys. I'm just not sure if he has a rotation spot or maybe he goes back to AAA. Sure. Um, but, yeah, like he's, I think they're going to be careful with these guys. Um especially means whenever he come, does come back, you know, they don't want him going out there throwing seven, eight right away. They're going to definitely ease him in. And it kind of helps that they do have so much depth that they have all these other guys that, you know, when means does come back, they don't need him to go those long outings and they can kind of ease him back in. Well, and what's going to make it easier for them is that they have arguably the best young catcher in baseball and Adley Rutschman to throw to. And now he has a new backup and that's going to be James McCann, who the Orioles traded for. And uh, that's a good backstop, former all-star that they can throw to as well. And when you look at James McCann, we look at, what we thought the Orioles were going to do for the backup catcher in the backup catcher market. And you were not going to find a big time bat to come be a backup. Otherwise he'd be a starter somewhere. So you're looking for a defensive minded guy. We're talking about, you know, Anthony Bamboom or Maverick Hanley or Colesbury. And now all of a sudden they make a trade for James McCann. And I feel like Jake, the Orioles possibly have the best catching duo in baseball at this point. How good of a move is James McCann move? And what does he add to this ball club? Yeah, they're definitely up there as one of the best um, catching duos for sure. Um, I think McCann, I think that was a great move, especially because the Mets were willing to you know eat so much of his salary. Um, it just it just made a ton of sense for the Orioles to bring him in. I mean, when you have a guy who was an All Star as recently as 2019, and he's your number two catcher, and you're not going to expect him you know to be out there like three out of four days. Like I just think that's a really smart move to make. Um, I know he hit under 200 last year, but you just have to think that he's going to do a little bit better than that. I mean, yeah. a lot of the expected stats are a lot higher than that. He had a lot of balls hard. Just like, like he said, when we talked to him recently, you know, he just hit a lot of balls right at people. Um, I think, I think things are going to break the other way a little bit for him. 
Um, but he's just such a you know good veteran guy, good clubhouse guy. Works well with the pitchers too. Maybe, maybe he can give Adley some tips. Um, I, I know Adley probably doesn't need too many tips at this point with how well he played last right. year. But still, you know, the more guys he can you know pick their ears and just learn from a little bit. Um, and McCann definitely has a lot to offer in that regard. Um, I just think all around he, he's going to be a boost to the clubhouse. And you know, when when he does get called upon to be in the lineup, I think he's going to be more a little bit at least a little bit more productive than he was last year for the Mets yeah and that that would be the hope especially playing less it, you're hoping that it keeps him fresh and keeps that bat that bat uh stronger for the duration of the season so I just, I just think it's such a it's such a strong move and like you said only having to pay five of the remaining 25 million of the remaining 24 million on a contract is just a move of brilliance in my part in my mind from Mike Elias now the Orioles they've kind of been dabbling in minor league moves and getting some big left-handed power bats and potentially play first base. They they got Lewin Diaz and then traded into the Braves for cash considerations. Then they uh, then he got DFA'd. They, or, the Orioles traded for Ryan O'Hearn and DFA'd him once Lewin Diaz became available. Are either of these guys, if Diaz clears waivers, are either of these guys in the Orioles roster plans for, to be a backup first baseman, or do you think there's still another move to be made? You still have Mike Moustakis and Brandon Belt out on the open market. I think these guys could be in the roster plans. Like it wouldn't surprise me at all if you know the Orioles go to camp and Lewin Diaz or Hearn if he clears waivers, a guy like Franchi Cordero who they signed a minor league deal, just kind of have all those guys go out there and you know say, hey, one of you go win the spot, one of you go guys go win that backup role. Um, but it also wouldn't surprise me at all if they do keep seeking a left-handed bat because obviously you know neither Diaz nor O'Hearn you know have huge track records. None of them have had a, neither of them have had a ton of offensive success. Um, Cordero is not a very good defender at first. At least he hasn't shown to be in his limited time there. Um, so I definitely think you know if they could add a player better than any of those three who can be that left-handed bat who can fill in at first behind Mountcastle, um, I think they're going to try and do it. But the like like all their other moves, they're not going to break the bank, especially for somebody who's not going to be out there every day, probably. Um, so if they if you know they just keep monitoring the situation and you know the market, may, maybe they add somebody else. But if it doesn't work out, then I think they'd be set to go to camp with a group like this. Maybe add somebody else on a minors deal, another low risk guy, and just you know have them all go battle it out and see who looks the best and see who's see who can uh, lock down that role. Yeah, it, it it seems like they have a, a plan one way or the other, and it, it really seems like they want it to be a left-handed bat as part of the plan. So we'll see how that goes. It's still five weeks till spring training, so a lot of stuff can still be done, and a lot of stuff could not be done. Uh, and then finally, uh, Orioles spent almost $30 million really this offseason uh, on Gibson, Adam Frazier, Michael Givens, and James McCann when you think about the trade and the $5 million that they're going to be giving him. Is... None of these moves really blow you away when you look at them on their at the on the surface individually, but is this more of a whole is greater than the sum of the parts situation here with the Orioles? Do you feel like they're better now than they were at the end of the twenty twenty two season? Yeah, I, I definitely think they're better than when they started to go to the off season. I mean, they kind of had a checklist of all the things they needed to accomplish, and they've pretty much done all of that, other than adding another starting pitcher as we talked about. Um, they've kind of filled all those holes. Um, I think McCann's obviously a big upgrade over Chirinos. Um, Frazier could be an up, upgrade over Odor. Frazier can play at the level he can. Gibson could maybe be an upgrade over Lyles if he can get back to the form that he, he had showed at previous seasons. Um, so I think they've done a good job of addressing all those needs. And like you said, nothing you know to really blow anybody away. But I also don't think maybe this wasn't the offseason to do that, especially with so many young guys. Um, you don't want to you know block all these young guys and not get them on the field, especially when so many of them looked so good last year. 
Um, and you got to figure, you know, all these young guys are going to take steps forward. Um, they're just going to keep getting better with experience. And, you know, as a whole, I, I think, I think they just did a good job kind of complementing that young core with mm-hmm. these additions. Um, but like we talked about the starting, starting pitching, I still think they need another starter. Um, they, they have a lot of arms, but this team would just be so much better if you could slot somebody in the top of the rotation, somebody, you know, a little bit better than Kyle Gibson. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And like we talked about earlier in the segment, it's going to probably have to, it's going to have to come via trade if you want that guy at the top of your rotation. So we'll see what happens. And uh, uh, Jake, we really appreciate you taking the time and hopefully we get to talk to you again. We'll definitely talk to you down the line once the season gets going. But before we let you go, uh, what can we plug for you over at MLB.com? Um, yeah, you can just follow, um, go to Orioles.com, off coverage there um, all throughout the offseason, spring training into the season. And uh, my Twitter handle is at Jake D. Real. All right. Thank you so much, Jake. We appreciate you taking some time for us here on the Saturday morning. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a great rest of your offseason. Thank you, you guys, too. All right. See you. That was Jake Rill joining us on the show today, a new Orioles beat writer for MLB.com, wishing him all the success covering the Orioles this year. Can't wait to continue. And the funny thing is, I'll be reading his stuff and not even realize I'm re- reading his stuff because there'll be an article that pops up about the Orioles on MLB.com. I read it and I go, who wrote that? I go back to the top and there's Jake Rill. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Joe Trusted did it for, what, two and a half, three years yeah, at this point? So. Before that, it was Brick Garoli. Yeah. So, yep. um, yeah, no, he's, he's doing a great job over there. It's really nice to, you know, put a voice to the face and to the writing and all sure. that. And we're going to, we're going to talk to him a lot this uh, upcoming season. So uh, nice to get him on the show to, for a nice kicking off uh, our first show of the 2023 uh, season. It's true. Our first show of yeah. the 2023 season. So very cool. Very cool. I want to remind you, press box is offering new sports betters, the best sign up bonuses and promos from all seven of Maryland's online sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers now and get offers like a hundred dollars in free bets from Barstool after placing your first $10 bet or up to $1,500 in risk free bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers and sign up today. It is now time for Sounding Off with Zach Goodman. Just want to remind you, though, we've been pushing all of these... Um, all of these betting sites and gambling and all that, but look, don't like lose your kid's college fund gambling, all right? It can be fun, but you need to set a limit and stay within it. And remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. That's helpmygamblingproblem.org for free and confidential services. And that website is sponsoring. Um, they don't know it, but they're sponsoring Sounding off with Zach Goodman. Zach, what do you have for us today? Yeah, I want to throw something in here real quick before I do my actual sounding off segment. We talked about earlier in the show uh, cash considerations and how you know Lewin Diaz was traded to the Braves for cash considerations, and then Ryan O'Hearn was also acquired for cash considerations. And that dude I, I, gets around. He does. Uh, one thing I thought, yeah, he does. I love that baseball card. People yeah, post in the cash uh, considerations. Yeah, it's great. Uh, but anyway, so when I was at the winter meetings, I got to hear from Ryan Spielborgs. I uh, played for Colorado for, I don't know, seven years in the major leagues. And I don't know if you remember Ryan Spielborgs, but he was I remember a, the name. a decent second baseman, did a little bit. But he told us that a lot of times these cash considerations deals are no more than $1. And he got traded himself for $1 one time. So really? I just thought I threw that in. There. That That's fun. Yeah. So maybe you never know. I mean, maybe Ryan O'Hearn was acquired for one dollar. But yeah. I, this was all the way back in two thousand 
I don't know, 11 or 12 or somewhere along those lines. But you never know. Uh, some of these deals may not be as costly as you think they are. So I wanted to throw that in. You ever see the movie Trading Places? With, I have it. With Dan Aykroyd and Eddie, and Eddie Murphy? No. It's worth your time. Check okay. it out. But um, basically, uh, they do this terrible, terrible thing to these two human beings, uh, these two billion millionaire guys who are on like Wall Street, big Wall Street guys. Um and it's all a bet to see if they can do it. Mm-hmm. And the wager of the bet is one dollar. One dollar. Yeah. One dollar. Yeah. That, I, that that kind of ruins a little bit of the movie, but it doesn't ruin, ruin yeah. the, the plot or or how fun the movie actually is. It's just yeah. when you realize that what the bet was for. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. But, um, Spielberg said he, he said I you know I called my my GM and I said we just got traded from and he said would you trade me for and he said you know thousand dollars hundred thousand dollars would you trade me for and GM goes I traded you for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's pretty unbelievable. I mean, I I don't know God, how that's that's cold blooded. That's that's got to be really. Uh, it's gonna kill your ego if you get traded I, I tra- for one, I traded one single you for dollar. dollar. Well, basically, what that amounts to is the two teams are talking. You're like, look, we're about to release this <laughs> yeah, guy, right? And they're like, right. well, look, I don't want anybody else to pick him up. Let me get him. Right. All right, but we need to make a transaction for that to happen. And and, and it's like like um. Like a make good type of situation. They're like, you scratch yeah. my back, I'll scratch yep. yours. If you help, if you let me get this player for a buck, then when you need something in the future, you know, we'll be willing to work with you. Exactly. I mean, it's basically and I, building I, relationships. I, yeah, there you go. I don't think this is necessarily the situation with Diaz or O'Hearn, but I mean, I guess some of these guys, if they are on the cusp of release, get traded for a dollar. So I just thought that was interesting. Throw yeah. that in there. Um, speaking of a guy uh, that was a signing uh, this past week was Dominic Smith with the mm-hmm. Washington Nationals. And, you know, Dom Smith is a guy who was a big prospect coming out. And he was a guy I followed a little bit through the minors. Um, pretty good on-base guy, can walk a little bit, has a lot of pop in the bat. Uh, came up playing first base, but also plays a little bit of left field. He's a pretty versatile guy, can play both corners. Um, Dominic Smith is a guy, again, who you, you look at as, quote-unquote, a bust. You know, he, he came up for the Mets and didn't really have much success. But in 2019-2020, um, he had OBPs that were 350. He actually had a 377 OBP in 2020. He came alive. He hit near 300. I uh, hit a bunch of home runs. And the guy looked like he had finally broken out and that the Mets have finally had their piece um, for first base. And obviously, Pete Alonso is, is now uh, very established there and is one of the best hitters in baseball. But Dominic Smith, at one time, looked like he could play left field first base and do a lot for the Mets this is a guy who knows how to play in the NL East um, since he's obviously played all his his years with the Mets so far if he's able to start barreling the ball again because if you look at his baseball savant numbers that's the big problem for him is he just wasn't barreling the ball it looks like he ran into a little bit of bad luck if he starts barreling the ball again the, with the way he can walk and get on base in other capacities, this is a guy who could easily be a 330-340 on base guy and be a, a nice supplementary piece for the Nationals as they try to rebuild. And this is, I love these moves, especially for rebuilding teams, where it's it's relatively low risk, medium reward. You're probably not going to get an all-star out of this. But for a guy that's versatile, he might hit 20-25 home runs for you if he can just start barreling the ball a little bit more. And like I said, those baseball savant numbers are encouraging. Um, even though he did hit uh, the, the lowest max EVs of his career this year, which was definitely concerning, and he only hit it in the, in the 160s. Probably a confidence thing more than anything else. It could else. be a confidence thing. So a change of scenery for a guy like this. He's relatively young. He's 27. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, yeah, and when you're playing for a team like the Mets, I mean, there's all that pressure, and they, yep. they go out and win 101 games, and you're, you have DeGrom and Scherzer, and now it's Scherzer and Verlander, and yep. um, Buck Showalter's winning manager of the year, and you're a big story. 
there's a lot of pressure there. And when you were supposed to be one of these top prospects and you're kind of floundering, to use Stan's word from earlier, it, it, it can weigh on you yeah. and, and cause you to perform even worse. Now, you mentioned his 2019 and 2020 seasons. In 139 games and 354 bats between those two seasons, his slash line was 299, 366, yep. 571, 937, with a 150 OPS plus, which is 50 points higher than league average. Yep. 21 homers, 31 doubles. Again, in a in 354 at bats, that's a damn good player. Exactly, yeah. And with the uh, he's 27 years old, yep. and when you look at the Nationals, they're gonna finish in last. What place. do they have to lose? Right, it's a low pressure situation for him. It's a low risk, high reward, potentially high reward, like you said in your notes, medium reward. Yeah. Um, pro- uh, situation for the Nationals. I think it's a good move because yeah. it gives him an opportunity to reestablish himself, and if he becomes that player. He looks at your team as, you guys gave me the opportunity, he's more likely to stay with you, and right. you, that's one less piece you have to try to find for your next winning ball club. What's interesting about the Nationals, part of the reason I wrote this, is because the Nationals are a team that are in a weird position, because their fans are, ex- they expect a lot, I think more than a lot of other teams. They because, have fans? Eh, well, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. different discussion, but they're a team that, they, they just won a World Series in, in 2019, that's been pretty recent. They are held to a higher expectation than a team like the Detroit Tigers or the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Pirates that have been bad for a while because the Nationals have been better for a while. I mean, obviously, when they first started up in 2006, they weren't good for a little bit, but they're a team that now I feel like have these expectations with them. And I don't think Mike Rizzo is going to go through a complete rebuild. I think he's going to do a retool. Obviously, you traded your best players. Juan Soto's gone. Steven Strasburg, I don't even know what's happening with Steven Strasburg at this point. He's injured. I- I'm not sure he's ever really going to be the same guy. Uh, Max Scherzer's gone. Trey Turner's gone. So your your core that won you the World Series, Ryan Zimmerman retired. So your core that won you the World Series is gone. Now you've got to retool and figure out a way to get back to the top of that NL East because it is a really tough division. And they have to probably do somewhat of what the Orioles just did. And it's not going to be fun for their fans, but I think they'll try to do a little quicker than the Orioles and expedite that process. Speaking of which, I, I posted on Twitter the other day that I'm never not going to be a Baltimore sports fan. They, they, I don't have it in me to root for a team that's not my home team, right? Uh, but if the Orioles in a five-year stretch trade Manny Machado and the Ravens trade Lamar Jackson, I'm going to have like I'm. It's going to take a lot for me to get. It's going to take like both of them winning World Championship that like in 2023 or 2024 for me to be able to fully get over that, right? Um, and somebody posted. Like when the Red Sox traded Betts and the and the Patriots lost Brady in back to back years, and I was like, "What? Uh, what? Like, I'm sorry. Maybe they can cry into their six Lombardi trophies <laughs> and their four World Series championships since two thousand since two thousand one. Like, yeah. like it's the, the Nationals. Like, come see how the Orioles fans have lived for a little bit, and then and then I'll and then maybe I'll think about crying for you. Like if you have a few bad years after coming in and taking a third of the Orioles fan base and then winning a World Series within, what was it, 15 years while the Orioles yeah. haven't won one in 40. Like, I don't, whatever. Go, go, <laughs> go, 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 go cry into a pillow somewhere. I don't, I don't want to hear it from you. Um, but no, that was, that was a good segment. I, I like, I like Dominic Smith and I think it's a, it's a nice move there for the, um, the Nationals. All right, we got to catch our third break. When we come back, we're going to do some Orioles banner. Want to rem- banter, not banner. I uh, want to remind you that the latest edition of Press Box is available now. And surprise, surprise, our annual best of issue cover model is 
Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman. I think we could have called that from a mile away. He is our 2022 Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the Birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBox online.com when we come back Orioles banter that's next on the battle round gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience but there are risks involved if you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer know your limit stay within it set a budget and a time to stop remember gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling for free and confidential services call 1-800-GAMBLER 24 7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org the baltimore county police department is hiring entry-level officers started over sixty thousand dollars and over sixty four thousand dollars for lateral officers with ten thousand dollars signing bonuses available plus cadets started over thirty two thousand great benefits are available like medical dental and vision insurance tuition reimbursement 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit career advancement to more than 20 specialized units and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans a passion for service a career for life with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. It's the perfect time to sign the young basketball fan in your life up for a membership in the Retriever Kids Club. It includes free youth admission to all regular season UMBC home games, plus a t-shirt and a drawstring backpack. Membership is only $35. It makes a great gift. Visit umbcretrievers.com slash kidsclub for more info. Membership is available for kids 12 and under in the Retriever Kids Club. Again, umbcretrievers.com slash kidsclub. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fendel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. 
Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code TAILGATE. That's ginsugrills.com. Reserve yours today. All right. <coughs> Excuse me. Welcome back to the Bat Around. Bat Around brought to you today by Pressbox's Glenn Clark Radio, which if you didn't know, it's the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. You can watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Or you can listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Brian Billick, new Navy football coach Brian Newberry, and former Towson coach Rob Ambrose. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature on PressBoxOnline.com. I think that's the first time I've ever finished all of our reads this early in the show. That is a really early finish for you. Yeah, I don't know. that's what she said. I still have two left. I have a... Uh, um, we'll talk about them in the break. I'll, yeah, I'll, I, I definitely hit them all. Okay. I've definitely hit them all. Um, but yeah, so th- the rest of the show is brought to you by me, Paul Valley. And brought to you by Paul Hi, Valley. I'm Paul Valley, and I host a better one. Um, so yeah, Orioles banter. It's entitled today... How are we feeling? Uh, because at this point in the offseason, like I've said a few times, like I said to Stan, like I said to Jake, uh, to Jake Rowe, um, none of the moves blow you away until you look at them as a whole. And then it's like, you know what? The Orioles are better. Yeah. They're better. They're a better ball club. And then you look at, you're going to get a full year of Adley Rutschman, God willing, you're going to get a full year of uh, Gunnar Henderson. And man, the makeup of that kid, man. Yeah. I saw the interview of him and he said, the best ability is availability. He said that each of the, the every year he goes and gets blood work done, so he figures out what he's deficient in, and his doctors prescribe him supplements to you know make up for the deficiencies that he has in those areas. And he said that last year it made him feel like he could when the season was over he felt like he could still play thirty to fifty more games. Wow, you know, um, this kid's got the work ethic, he's got the want to, and he's got the ability. He's if he's not a star already, he's he will be a household name by the end of this season. I, I have no doubts he's going to be a household name by the end of this season. So I think about what the Orioles have in that, what they have in Rutschman, and I think that, that 2023 could be really, really promising for this team. I'm much higher on the rotation than a lot of people are at this point, and it's not because I think that Grayson Rodriguez is going to win a Cy Young and Rookie of the Year uh, right out of the gates, but it's because I think Grayson Rodriguez. But when the season's over, you're going to look at his numbers and he's going to have a three and a half ERA, and you're like, he was really good. This How many year. stars do you think he makes? Uh, see that, that that's that's hard to quantify I, because it, it's okay. like. How many innings is he going to throw? They, they, he's going to be on an innings limit. They're not going to let him throw 180 innings this year. But if he throws 130, 140, he could probably make 25, 30 starts, right? I, I mean, I, if he's healthy, he's going out there every fifth or sixth. Well, where is he starting for you, though? Is he starting in Norfolk or Baltimore? Oh, Baltimore. There, there's okay. not, there, I don't think there's a chance he, fin- he starts a year in Norfolk. I do. I actually do. I don't. I, I, I do not think there's a chance that he starts a year in Norfolk. 
So I, I believe, unless he's just that bad in spring training, and I don't think he's going to be. The number for me that I was thinking of was around 17 to 23, um, somewhere in that range of starts. But I could be wrong. It could be more, like you said, 25, 30. It Did could my be. face change when you said that? No. I felt it in my face. <laughs> no. I felt like I was like, you're out of your mind. I don't know. I, I, I think that given the fact that he just spent a good chunk of this season uh, injured and that he is the guy they want to make sure is is winning Cy Youngs in two or three years, Um I'm not sure they're gonna they're gonna throw him out there for 25 or 30 starts. I think they're gonna play it a little bit safer. But then again, he could get some relief appearances too. I'm not sure, and that could add to his his uh, his innings as well. And if that happens, he'd probably only get like 21 starts or so. I think what they're gonna do is put him in the rotation from the jump. Okay. I think they're gonna have him on a serious innings limit to start the year, where you're gonna see him get to Tyler Wells treatment. Okay. Where he's going three, four innings to start. And then they bump it up to five. And then next thing you know, he's through five innings of three-hit ball with one run allowed, and he's thrown 67 pitches. So they send him back out there for the sixth. I think it's going to be something like that, like they did with Tyler Wells, until they're like, all right, now we're at a point where you can kind of go, and we're off we're off the limit yeah. with you. I, I think that's what's, what the deal is going to be for Grayson Rodriguez. I, I keep coming back to this, and Jake Real mentioned him as being a uh, as being a you know a multi-inning reliever type guy. I, I just think it's a mistake to not have D.L. Hall be part of your rotation plans. And and I don't mean, he doesn't need to start in your rotation to start the year, but he needs to be a starter. He's, that arm is too special. I'd give it a shot. I'd give it a shot. I I think you send him down to Norfolk and you give him seven starts down there. And if he doesn't hit the ground running and through those seven starts, he's still walking five guys a game and he's still, and his ERA is four then maybe you consider putting him in the bullpen. But I just I think people are giving up on this kid. I say it every damn show. They're giving up on this kid way too quickly. Way too quickly. And when you, when you saw how he finished the year, his final, I think it was his final 13 games or something like that, his ERA was like one something. I think his, it was like his last 13 innings. He walked two guys, struck out like eleven, and his his uh, ERA was like one one four. Yeah, it was something ridiculous. When he gets a big league coaching staff with Chris Holt and all those guys that, that work with him, mm-hmm. really focusing on him, and and I said I said it three weeks ago on the show, he has an entire off season as a big league pitcher. He has an entire off season where now because he's there's no lockout. Last year, if you remember, he was on the forty man. So he couldn't he couldn't go down to the minor league spring training. He couldn't work out with with the big league coaches. He had to do everything on his own. Now he gets a full off season working with these big league coaches. I think that makes a world of difference. And I think that yeah. Michael Elias, Mike Elias has to see that, and he has to have a plan for this guy that keeps him in the starting rotation. I, I think that if you don't, you burn bridges with him because he wants to be a starter. And then when he's not here, you have another Jake Arrieta on your hands. Yeah, I mean the one six five FIP last year is certainly um, promising. Yeah, uh, you know five nine three ERA to a one six five FIP. That's a pretty drastic difference, which shows he he ran into a lot of unlucky situations. Well, you also have to remember that they brought him in in that game that doubleheader on Labor Day against the against the Reds against the Blue Jays, and they just let him out there for mop up duty, Correct. and he gave up like six yeah. runs in the ninth inning. Yeah. Um, some bad defense behind him that wasn't they weren't really his fault, but that all ballooned that ERA. Yeah, no, that that's a great point. I I think again, where I've kind of stood on this for for the most part is 
I would like to see him get the shot. I'm not incre- I'm not as confident as you are that he's going to be that guy. Um, you know, maybe he becomes a good four, three, uh, which is maybe all they need. You know, because you've, if you've got Grayson Rodriguez, John Means, other guys at the top of the rotation, Kyle Bradish has really risen. Maybe you only need him to be a four if you have those mm-hmm. three in front of him. Then that's fine. But I, I certainly think that he obviously has to bring down the walks per nine number. I uh, let me check on last year, but I believe it was around five. Yes, yeah, five point three. So it was lower at the big league level, though. It, it was. It was. Uh, four at the big league level, yeah. which is still too much, though. I, I want to see that down around, I don't know, three. I, I'd like to see him get it a little bit lower. It's not going to be, you know, Tom Eshelman levels or something. He's never going to be able to have that kind of command, but it wow. certainly needs to. You talk to, about command and you mentioned Tom Eshelman. Uh, Tom, look, Tom Eshelman, if there's any anything he did, is have one of the best commands I've ever seen. I mean, he's he, now, he, now a pitching instructor in the Padres organization. Have, oh, for good reason, because he, 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 does know how to, he does know how to find the zone. But D.L. Hall is a guy who has to bring that number down if he wants the system sustained success as a starter. I think he's going to. Again, okay. I, I don't think people are thinking about the fact that he has... It's the first time in his entire career that he has a full offseason working with a big league staff. Mm-hmm. It's the full first time in his career. Yeah, and Chris Holt's done wonders for everyone. Yeah, I, I just... To me... Uh, I told you this a, a weeks ago that I I believe D.L. Hall is a dark horse rookie of the year candidate. I, I I look at him and I'm not against him being in the bullpen yeah. in his career. I'm against him being in the bullpen to start his career. To start yeah. his career. Because you're cutting the dude's legs off before you give an opportunity, give him an opportunity to walk, and that's a fair argument to me. Um, he's going to have a tough time for rookie of the year though with with uh, Gunnar Henderson there because Gunnar Henderson is we we know everything about Gunnar Henderson's yeah. ascension here, but I, I expect a a pretty big season out of him. So well, he'll, he'll say, have a tough time. When but. I say dark horse, I mean like I think he could finish top five. Okay, for, okay. for rookie of the year, I, I think the Orioles have three guys on their roster that could finish top five for rookie of the yeah. year, and DL Hall is one of them. I, I just I have a lot of faith in that kid, and I just and in the Orioles pitching development team. That, that's that's really yeah. where it falls is D.L. Hall's arm is special. It's electric. And then you have Chris Holt and that pitching development team on top of that. They, they, I just think they can do wonders with that kid. Somebody that needs to do wonders is Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah. And he got off to such a good start last year. In June, he was a monster. He hit over 290. He had 10 home runs that month. And you're like, oh my God, this is who we thought he was. Yeah. And then July and August, it, he just crapped himself. Like he legitimately <laughs> just he 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 amber herded the bed. You know what I mean? Like it, Ryan Mountcastle needs to be who we thought he was going to be. Now every time that he struggled in the minor leagues, next year he came back and he was stellar. This past season, the peripherals showed that he was one of the unluckiest hitters in he all was. of baseball. What kind of a bounce back do you really see? It, is there a bounce back coming from Ryan Mountcastle? Is he too, or do you agree with Stan? He's too free of a swinger to ever reach that potential. I'm somewhere in the middle, I guess. Uh, it, what a cop out. The number, well, let me explain. The, the numbers that you're talking about, that you're referencing, how hard he hits the ball, barrel rate, mm-hmm. um, exit velocity, all of the numbers that we look for when we're, we're looking at uh, peripherals as far as a hitter goes are very good. Um, his baseball savant page is, is blood red, which is a very good thing for him. Um, it means that there is a certain degree of bounce back coming. But my problem with Ryan Malcastle has always stemmed from how much can, can he get on base. He doesn't walk, um, and when you're that free of a swinger, you're not going to get on base at a super high amount. So even his, his 2021 one, uh, which we I guess we generally call pretty good for Ryan Mountcastle. He had 33 home runs. He did only have a 309 OBP. Mm-hmm. He had 305 this year. Not a big difference, which means he's still got to improve that a lot. So a bounce back, if a bounce back looks like 309, where he's only raising it four points, 
I'm not incredibly excited by that, to be honest. I, I want to see a bounce back, but I also want to see him be able to walk more and get on base more because that's huge for him. Especially, you know, when you're a first baseman, you've really got to hit because, you know, de- defensive value, you can find defensive value first baseman. Look at Lewin Diaz. He's one of the best in, in all of the major and minor leagues. They can find a guy who can play good defense. He's got to get on base. He's got to hit more than mm-hmm. he has right now. Well, absolutely. I, I, and the thing that I look at with Ryan Mountcastle that's so disappointing is I think he's a guy, he's a guy that can hit 309 mm-hmm. at the big league. I think level. he can too. He, he's just he, that chase rate. They a pitcher has got to know that they can't strike you out without having to throw a strike. Mm-hmm. Like, like they've got to know that they've got to throw you strikes. And I think that again, that's why I wanted the middle of the order bat because you need somebody behind Mountcastle where you don't want to walk him. You don't want to put him on base, so you're forced to put the ball over the plate and and, and try and get him out. Too many times last year you saw Santander and Mountcastle Hayes come up with after Rutschman and Mullins got on base and there's nobody out. Strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. Uh, the the case the, the one that comes to mind is the Verlander start where he only went three innings and the Orioles really had him on the ropes. In the first inning, Rutschman and Mountcastle each had Mountcastle. Mullins and Rutschman started the game with base hits. So you have runners on first and second and nobody out. Verlander struck out the next three hitters, which again were Santander, Mountcastle, and Hayes. He threw, he struck all three of them out. He threw one one pitch that would have actually yeah. been called a strike. Yeah. One pitch that would have been called a strike. Mountcastle swung at a pitch that was like legitimately, the pitch was so high. To the two pitches in a row that he swung at, one of them, only the bottom half of the ball was able to be seen on pitch yeah. tracker on the MLB app. And the next one, you couldn't see it. It wasn't anywhere on the app because the pitch was so high, it didn't register. It was six inches above his head, yeah. and he swung at it. You, Ryan Mountcastle, if you're going to be a free swinger, plenty of guys have had great careers being free swingers. Vladimir Guerrero and Adam Jones, who both sure. have played in Baltimore, make careers out of being free swingers. You have to be a free swinger who knows not to swing at a pitch that's 12 inches out of the strike zone. Yeah. And, and you just have to. He's got to get on base more, and he's got to prove that, look— I'm not going to get myself out, and if you put the ball over the middle of the plate, I'm going to hurt you. Yeah, and Adam Jones, look, Vlad, Adam, any of the, the great free swingers, Alfonso Soriano is another yeah. really good example. None of those guys were 300 OBP guys, though. They were, you know, 320, 330, a little high. Jones was. I, I guess Jones was. For, I think Jones' career high is like a 327 Definitely OBP. through the end of his career he was, but... It, I guess leaving him out of the example, you look at Soriano, you look at Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the guys that really succeeded with it uh, to a great degree. I mean, part of Adam's uh, value obviously came from from being a great defender, clubhouse leader. There were a lot of other things he did as well. But point is, is that Ryan's got to get that higher. And, and I think one of the reasons that they signed Adam Frazier and, and why I was so high on that signing and why I liked it so much was because they're adding a guy in that is the exact opposite of what Austin Hayes is, of what Orion Malcastle is. He's a mm-hmm. he's a patient hitter. Uh, he knows the zone well. And obviously you have guys like that. You have Adley Rutschman. Uh, but adding another one of those guys in certainly balances out the lineup a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, Adam Jones' career on base percentage is 317. He was over okay. 330 just twice in his okay. career and over 321. I'll certainly two, take 320 three, times. I'll, I'll take 320 from Mountcastle, though. Yeah, yeah. you know, that would if be not, a if huge Ryan, improvement. If Ryan Mountcastle's on base percentage is 320, he's hitting about 280, 285. Yeah. And that yep. means, and uh, God, that, it's the one thing where, like, the wall's killing him. The wall's killing him. Like, he's a guy in the lineup where you know he can hit the ball over that, over that big wall in left field, but it took, like, five home runs from him. 
last year. Yeah. Uh, while while it really helped the Orioles pitching staff, it hurt it hurt Trey Mancini, it hurt Ryan Mountcastle, it hurt a lot of guys where you saw a ball off the bat, you're like, oh, that's gone. And you're like, wait, it might not be, and it wasn't. You know, So, um, I don't know. It, and if Hayes can be part of this team, he needs a big bounce back. He, like, he put together... He hit over 290 in April and in May, and in June he only hit about 220 or mm-hmm. two, or like no, it was like 250. But he hit for a ton of power and produced that month, and then he did nothing the last three months. Both of these guys need to have huge bounce backs if they want to be part of this roster moving forward. Yep. And that brings me to Kyle Stowers. What is Kyle Stowers' role? Nobody talks about him. Nobody, nobody really talks about him as being like when we talk about this Orioles outfield. It's like, well, your opening day outfield is probably going to be Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Anthony Santander. Where does Ryan, uh, Ryan Stowers, where does Kyle Stowers fit into all of this? He's a left-handed bat with a with a ton of power who gets on base, has a huge strikeout rate, but right. there's nothing left for him to accomplish at AAA. He already he is the player he's he's he is the player that he was always going to be at AAA. What's his his role for this team? I'd like to see him get a lot of run to start the year. Well, I think Kyle Stowers is going to get on base more than Austin Hayes will. Yeah. Uh, but I don't necessarily think that if you're saying Austin Hayes shouldn't be on this team because he's a free swinger, I don't. I'm not sure you're going to be pleased with Kyle Stowers. Um, you know, and that goes for a lot of people that I've seen who really want to see Kyle Stowers out there all the time. It, the strikeout rate's high. Uh, he has a massive uppercut swing. The swing mm-hmm. plane is is different than a lot of guys. I mean, he's going for the launch angle home runs. That's kind of the the swing they've built for him. Um, and maybe not necessarily built, but he's he's someone who uh, has kind of embodied that through his entire career. I saw him in Aberdeen when he debuted, and he had that same swing. So that's concerning to me. I, I think if again, if you're looking at Austin Hayes and you're complaining about the the swing and miss really Kyle Stowers is going to be there too but I, I do agree with you I think Austin Hayes is really one of those bubble players at this point where Kyle Stowers um, has a little more to prove and a little more uh, a, a higher ceiling I guess to, to prove that he might be that guy yeah I, I don't know man I, I'm not super high on either though <laughs> at this point if, if I'm being honest with you I don't I don't know how I feel about him I, I really don't because in his limited opportunity he produced he did he, he, did. he, he produced you know and but and he's a former minor league, co-minor league player of the year with Adley Rutschman in 2021. He's got a better arm uh, out there. He's got a good arm out in the outfield. He's a better defender than Anthony Santander is. He's prob- he might be a better defender than Austin Hayes is. I mean, Austin Hayes, because he's got such an elite arm, people think that he's a better defender than he actually is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, man. I just... I want to see him get a fair shake. We know yeah. Colton Kowser's coming. Unless he gets traded, we know Colton Kowser is coming and taking one of those spots at some point... Maybe the, if not this year, then certainly by next year. Um, I don't know, man. I just I don't feel like Hyde gave him a, a fair shake this year, and I would really like to see him get the opportunity to uh, to show what he can do at the big league level. Now, uh, talk amongst some pundits about the Orioles are that this year was never going to be a big splash year in in free agency because they have so many young guys that are coming up that. They have to evaluate. Even though they're they're in a place now where they're looking to win and looking to get to the postseason, they're still evaluating. And like we said, Colton Kowser's coming, Connor Norwich, Jordan Westbrook, Gunnar yep. Henderson. You're still evaluating what you have with your prospects. So then they're saying next year they really think the Orioles are going to make a big splash in the offseason. I feel like every year we convince ourselves why this year is the year they're going to do it. Are they going to make a splash next offseason? And it's hard to say now because we're still sure. in this offseason, but can you get yourself to believe that they will? Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that uh, That idea that, oh, it's not this year, it's next year. I'm not sure I really 
fine. We said that last year. I, I know. I, I'm just saying that. I don't see reason to believe that. If, That's what I'm if saying. That makes sense because because you still have Jackson Holiday coming, and mm-hmm. you still have you're going to have great prospects that you draft this year, and there's going to be guys that are still going to be coming every year, every year, every year. I'm not sure Connor Norby makes it to the majors this year. I'm not sure he will. If Colton Cowser doesn't end up, which I think he will, but if he doesn't end up making it, then he's still coming. So at what point do you say, okay, we we've got to start filling some of these holes with established talent rather than the guys we have coming up through the system? That's a, that's a really interesting line for Mike Elias because he's got to figure out when do I start actually making those moves. But to say, oh, next year, next year, next year, I find kind of not productive. Well, right. And, and the other thing is, sometimes I find myself guilty of this. <coughs> if you can get a guy who you know is a proven talent who's going to come, come onto your team and he's going to perform, mm-hmm. you want to you take that guy every time over a prospect, right? But then it's like, because the Orioles have been so bad for so long, we have really paid attention to their minor league system. It's the number one farm system in all baseball. Right. And so we've fallen in love with a lot of these prospects. So now it's like, well, I don't know if I want to trade Jordan Westberg, or I don't know if I want to trade Colton Kowser because we don't need them because we we signed this person. I don't know if I want to sign this person because we have this person coming. I don't want to sign Trey Turner because I know Jackson Holiday is going to be really... I don't know that. I have a pretty good feeling that he's going to be. I find myself guilty of that. Are we guilty of falling in love with prospects and not wanting the Orioles to make signings that are better for the team because we have fallen in love with these prospects? Well, I think that's kind of the way we've been conditioned, I guess, just by watching Michael Elias and the way he's operated. Because that is, I guess, his philosophy in in a lot of ways, is that let's see what the prospects have, and then we'll fill the holes if they don't really work out. Um, But I I think there are, you know, we talk about Ryan Malcastle in the first base position. I think that's a hole right now. I think Mm -hmm. Ryan Malcastle has a chance to, to become a really good baseball player, but there's still a lot of climbing that he needs to do to become that guy who can get on base enough. So we look at that, and I say, all right, there's basically no first base prospect in the minors right now that I'm excited about. Um, I saw a few of the guys this year and, and there was no one that really blew me away in the minors. That is a place you could easily make a signing. He could have signed Jose Abreu or he mm-hmm. could have signed yeah. any of these guys who could have taken that spot. And that's a spot where you say, okay, there's no one coming up there. They're, you know, Santander, he's not a first baseman. You can no. put him there, but I, he's not a first baseman. And besides Ryan Malcastle, what do we have? So that is a place you could have easily made that signing. So I don't know if that you know, the excuse of, oh, we have guys coming is really one that's always going to work. Well, and, and, and that brings you back to Ryan Malcastle. That's a great point you made about first base. You have nobody in the system exactly. that's ready to play first base. Co- except Kobe Mayo. I think Kobe Mayo ends up being a first baseman for I, this I, team. It's, Espe- it's a good shot. Especially if you're going to have Jackson Holiday and Gunnar Henderson on this team. But that's the Holiday will probably be here right around the same time as Kobe Mayo, unless mm-hmm. Kobe Mayo has a monstrous start to this year yeah. and he and, and Mount Castle's just so bad that he thrusts himself in this year. I expect Holiday and Mayo to have a very similar timeline to getting here, uh, to as when not timeline as far as when they started their careers, but timeline as to when they both get here. I think, yeah, at the same time. I, I think, and sorry, go ahead. And, and the other thing about it is if Mount Castle has a similar year this year to what he did last year. Who's available next offseason that you could go sign? I don't I don't know. I'm not privy to... to I, I mean, I can look it up, but I, off the top of my head, I don't know of any great first baseman in the league. And honestly, off the top of my head, I don't really think there's many great first basemen in the game to begin with. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's a good point. And I also want to bring up starting pitching just for one second because they, again, Kyle Gibson, only signing they've made. Mm-hmm. And besides Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall, 
what do you have behind that that you're super excited about? Kyle I mean, there's, Bra- there's I'm, guys, I'm really excited well, I, about Kyle Bradish. I'm, I'm already viewing him as an established guy. Oh, okay. I'm not even viewing him as a prospect. But w- what others? I mean, John Pinto maybe. Um, there's some guys that they've they've brought up that look pretty good. But again, you're, you're looking at that situation where you're going, is there really a, a prospect that you're going to be blocking by signing a guy here? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe in the outfield and the infield, I can understand right a little bit more but for, for the rotation no you're absolutely right, right. You're, you're hoping and expecting Grayson Rodriguez is going to hit the ground running and be really good and that Brad is right. going to continue to improve off of the of how he finished last year I'm not sure about Dean Kramer I am yeah. even though he was really good last year and he was arguably the world's best starting pitcher the second half of the season he along with Kyle Bradish I'm not convinced that Dean Kramer is that dude just yet. Now, if he starts this year and through April or into May, his ERA is about the same, about 321, then yeah, Dean Kramer's a guy. And now, yeah. now you've got another guy, but I don't know why I said that like Chris. Dean Kramer's a guy. <laughs> He's a guy. Um, but right now, I'm not. you have a lot of question marks. So yeah, yeah the, the Orioles, the, and you're right. Name a guy in their minor league system that you're like excited about that's a starting pitcher. There's not many of them. There's not, and, and one of the guys uh, that they acquired for Trey Mancini, right? Seth Johnson. Seth Johnson yeah. is is out all of. Yeah, he, he's going to miss the, the entire year. Yeah. So you're right. They they, they really could use and and then they could start looking at well, what are they going to do regarding the draft this year? They're picking 17th. Yeah. I have no idea, but you're right. There's ways for the Orioles to improve this roster, and it's at first base and in the yeah. starting rotation. So, and you're not necessarily blocking guys doing that. that that's kind of my entire point. Bless you, but Thank that you. that's kind of my entire point is that you're not blocking guys doing that. So making that excuse of oh we've got prospects coming, let's wait and see, doesn't really apply to those positions. But I get it when you're talking about the outfield and the infield. Yeah, exactly. So I felt like we did three breaks already, but we didn't. We've only no, done, we, we, we we've yeah. only done the two. So we're gonna catch our th- our third and final break uh when we come back in we will finish things up with trivia and our final thoughts talk a little ravens football to close things out that's all next on the bat around Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. The weather outside is really unpleasant, so it's time to warm up with some comfort classics this winter at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Try the twisted ribs and wings combo. It's two full pounds of meat, the mac and cheese bites, Mr. Richard's meatloaf, the citrus salmon, the winter spinach salad, and for dessert, here's internet radio personality Griffin Bass to tell you about the bourbon butter cake. Oh my god, it's so good. Pair it with a blood orange bourbon cider or a devil's backbone cranberry smash. Place your order now at glorydaysgrill.com glorydaysgrill.com Great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. 
It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual Best of Issue. On the cover, we recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the Birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Looking for some excitement in the new year? Laurel Park has plenty of live horse racing events to spice things up this January. The much-anticipated winter meet kicks off on January 1st, plus we've got special MLK Holiday Racing on Monday, January 16th, and the Winter Carnival Stakes on Saturday, January 21st. Winter may be cold, but the racing at Laurel Park is hot. Learn more about upcoming January events by visiting laurelpark.com. All right, welcome back to the Batter Round, our final segment of the day. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of trivia and some final thoughts here, talk some Ravens football to close things out. Ryan, uh, it is your turn to ask me a trivia question. Ryan? Who's Ryan? Ryan. Wow, I don't know why I said <laughs> Ryan. Why did I say Ryan? I don't know. Uh, you have a podcast with Oh, no, you know what? Because I just, I my wife got me this lovely ah. Garmin smartwatch. Is that, a, uh, I, is that one of the golf ones? Uh, no, okay. I, I I thought it was. And I was like super excited about it. It's not. I I, I have a I have a uh, uh, range finder that I love, but I always forget to take it with me. Yeah. So maybe maybe she said I can trade this in if I want to. Maybe I can trade it in for one that is a range finder. There you go. That would that would be pretty cool. Um, but one of the things was locked on the Orioles podcast. There was a notification for that, and it said Orioles trade for Ryan. And so I think that's what was in my head. Got it. Ryan Got O'Hearn. It. Zach, it is your turn to ask me a question. Okay. So what do you got for me? Uh, you grew up watching '90s Orioles for yeah. the most part. Oh, uh, this is like my wheelhouse. I, I know, and that's I, it's a bit of an easier one for you. I think you'll be able to get this. But there were nine players and personnel who won any kind of award, official MLB award, uh, for the Orioles in the 1990s throughout the entire decade. Can you name them? It's nine people, and obviously there's going to be multiple of the same. All right, so nine people total. No, so right, nine people. So or nine winners. For example, one of them has won like four or five times, but he's just in here one time. So stuff like nine uh, different people. So stuff like MVP. Correct. Or Correct. It, uh, do all star selections count? No. Uh no. no all star selections. They have way more count. than nine all star selections. So we'll get the easy one right off the bat. Cal Ripken, uh, uh, the um, ninety one MVP. Yes. Um, what about him winning the home run derby? Does that count? Uh, no, these are just these are the Gold Gloves, Silver Sluggers. Oh, that Gold, gold that Gloves, kind of thing. So, so, yeah. Silver Sluggers. Uh, so Cal won the '91 MVP. I'm not even looking for the award. If you can just name the players and personnel oh. who who did it. Oh, Roberto Alomar. Yes. Yep. Um, you got two. Rafael Palmero. Yep. That's Mike, three. Mike Messina. Yep. Four. 
It gets a little harder after this. <laughs> um, Brady Anderson. No. He didn't win a silver slugger he for did his not. 50 homer season. That's crazy. He's not on this list, so That's crazy. No. I, well, I mean, he was playing in the, in the American League at the same time as Kenny Lofton and Ken Griffey Jr., so I guess I get I get that. Um, how many misses am I allowed? Or, or just... If, However many if, you if want. Can, Let's just see how many can get. get how yeah. many can get. So I've got four right now, right? Um, there, there's two in here that are generally tough, but you grew up in this era, so you you, you should know. Generally, they're, they're tough. Yeah. One of the guys you don't think of is an Oriole at all. At least I wouldn't. Oh, Lee Smith. Correct, Lee Smith. Yeah, yeah that, Lee that's Smith because he yeah. was, it was he was a closer. Yep. Uh, for like one year here, and I think he like led the American League in saves. Yeah, Lee Smith. Uh, let me pull. He up had like thirty three saves in ninety three. Uh ninety four. He was the Relief Man Award. Okay. Um. So that's yeah, he had thirty three saves, right? Or was it thirty something like that? I don't know the exact number, okay. but I have to look it up. So that's five. So I have four left. Um. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> I want to say Harold Baines is a DH. No. Harold BJ Serhoff. He had a no. really good 98, 99 season. No. <sighs> I should mention to you that. Can you name the awards for me? The the, the remaining okay. the remaining four. I can. Uh, manager of the year. Who? Manager of the year. Oh, I said personnel, so that was oh, part okay. of it. Okay, Man- yeah. manager of the year. That's Davey Johnson. Uh, no. Johnny Oates. No. What? Neither of those two. From 1990, don't tell me. Okay. <laughs> don't tell me because I know the names of all the managers. No, I was going to say it was just back-to-back years um, in 96 and 97. That was Davey Johnson. Not what I'm seeing here. Davey Johnson was the Orioles manager in 96 and 97. He was manager of the year in 1997 when they went, when they went wire to wire. Then ESPN is wrong, apparently. But well, Who do they have? They have Paul Dade in 1996 as the AL manager of the year. He wasn't an Orioles manager. Interesting. Well, I didn't know that, but that's he's Paul, on there. Paul and Dave, then the Orioles managers in the nineties were um Johnny Oates, Phil Regan, uh Davey Johnson, and Ray Miller. They they must be incorrect. So let's just take those two out. Because I don't think the other guy then I just Googled it and apparently he didn't manage the Orioles either. So we'll just go with the two players. Who is the who, who who is the other guy? They have I this one I, I didn't know honestly either, but they had Terry Crowley in there uh, as also the '97 award winner for Manager of the Year. That's what they, that's what ESPN has on their official Orioles. He never team managed the page. Orioles. He was a hitting coach. I, I exactly. So maybe they have him as a hitting coach award in some capacity. Paul, Could be. And Paul Dade may have been a coach. Maybe he won some Co- some right. coach of the year thing or something like that. Well, I probably should have checked on it. But yeah, anyway, Davey, uh, yeah, I, I just named you for you in order. I don't know who managed the Orioles in '90 but I know 92, 93, 94, Johnny Oates was a manager of the Orioles. And then Fair enough. Phil Regan in 95, David Johnson in 96, 97, and then Ray Miller in 98, 99, followed by Mark, Mike Hargrove in 2000. Um, so we have two more players. Two um, more players. Both in the same year. Both in the same year. And you want me to name the award? Yeah. Uh, Roberto Clemente. Okay. And Relief Man. Oh. So the Relief Man is um, Alan, not Alan Miller, Arthur Rodgman won 10 games in 97. No. Really? Is it Alan Mills? No, it's not. It's neither of them. So let's let's make sure ESPN is correct again because this is interesting. But yeah, I, I, I do believe this is true. At least one of them I guarantee is true. The relief man of... Oh, Randy Myers. Randy Myers. In 97, yeah. he, he, he converted 45 or 46 save opportunities. R- Randy Myers. He was, yep. he was stellar. How could I forget? I loved Randy Myers. And the other one was man of the year. Roberto Clemente. The, the, yep. the Roberto Clemente Award for Man of the Year. 
Oh, God, there were a lot of good seeds on that team. He also, uh, I'm not gonna say it because I want to. I want to let you get it. But if you want a hint, I'll give you one. Position player or pitcher? Uh, he is a position player. Man, Mike Bordick. No. Was he an everyday player? Uh, yeah, yeah, he was. Eric Davis. Eric Davis. Nineteen ninety eight. Yep. No, it's ninety seven. Ninety seven. Yep. Because well, he had he had colon cancer. In ninety eight, and, 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 yeah. and he still played. Exactly. So Which there is, you go. When you look at what happened with Trey Mancini, when you look at and, and I don't know the degrees. Uh, I don't know what stage Eric Davis was in as opposed to what stage. I know I know Trey Mancini was stage three. Maybe Eric Davis was stage one or stage yeah. two. But Eric Davis was going to chemo and playing baseball in the same week, mm-hmm. and he was a productive player. And then the year after, in in 1998, he hit 327 with 28 home runs. Yeah, yeah. The year after coming off, he played yeah. baseball while going through chemotherapy treatment for uh, for colon cancer in 1997. Continued to play baseball, and then came out in 1998 and put up one of the best offensive seasons in yeah. Orioles history. Absolutely phenomenal yep. baseball player Eric no. Davis was. So I, I I got all of them, and, and you did with with, with some <laughs> hints at the end. The, the the Paul Dade and Terry yeah, well, Crowley. They have uh, Mark Belanger as the manager of the year in 1989. So ESPN's got to do a little uh, fixing of their website. They, yeah. they, I, this is truly interesting to me. It's it's a page. Here, I'll, I'll put it on camera here. It's a page called MLB Team History uh, Baltimore Orioles Awards. And Mark Belanger apparently was the manager of the year, which obviously is not. I think if you want to go for true. Baltimore Orioles Awards, you, got, you have to go to the... Um, you have to go to the Baltimore Orioles Encyclopedia. Oh man, they're really wrong because they've they've Dusty Baker as the 2014 Manager of the Year for the Baltimore Orioles. I think that's a mockery site. No, no, no. It, it, it is absolutely ESPN, 1,000 percent ESPN. So and they were correct on all the player awards. Uh, I, ch- right. I checked on those, so they so were let's, correct. Let's see if there are um, any, any awards here on. Like I, I feel like you have to go through. Um, <laughs> Excuse me, I don't know. Maybe it's the Orioles' um, baseball reference page. Yeah, sure. That that would probably be better. Yeah, but anyway, it, it is. A, it was. <laughs> it, 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 it was a solid effort. I just I, I next. Let's not use ESPN anymore because I, I feel not. like I've run into weird issues with them too when it comes to certain things. So, but I I, I named quite a bit. I did hey, do good. You got when, when you said reliever, I, I like. I also have to like know what all the awards are and like I didn't know if it was just MVP yeah. and manager of the year for some reason didn't occur to me at the beginning I don't know but no it was it was a good question it was a good question um you stumped me a little bit I'll let you give your final thought first uh no, I'm gonna let you give one because I I've been so wrapped up in this I haven't filled out my final thought right, so so my my final thought for today is I think the Orioles are done this offseason I I Okay. I thought that they were going to make a bunch of moves, and they they made some moves that again, holes greater than some of the parts situation. Um, and I think that they're better now than they than they were at the end of of the twenty twenty two season. But I just don't see them bringing in. If they were going to bring in another bat, they would have done it by now. If they were going to bring in another starting pitcher, I think they would have done it by now. I don't know that there's anybody out there on the free agent market that makes yeah. a rotation better. I I don't think Michael Waka makes them better. I don't think Zach Davies makes them better. I think that the Orioles are done making any major moves. That doesn't mean I don't think that they can sign somebody for a low amount of money um, 
uh, it during spring training. They always do something there. But I think they're done making moves that will significantly impact this roster moving forward for 2023. And I think now it's about evaluating the ball club and seeing how quickly they can get to World Series contender from here. Yeah, so my final thought is going to be reiterating something I said earlier in the show, and that's the lack of depth at first base. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would try to see uh, if you can get Brandon Belt by the end of March, um, or not the end of March, but I guess the end of February is, is a better time, at, on a cheap deal, get him for 3 or $4 million, and, and let Brandon Belt do a little DHing, uh, because James McCann is going to DH a little bit, and mm-hmm. Adley Rutschman's going to DH, and maybe that can take some of the pressure off them, and then obviously he takes some of the pressure off Ryan Malkazle. Um The more I look into Brandon Belt and the numbers he's been able to put up over his career, and even last year he was bad, but he's still decently better than Malkazle in some categories, I would be really interested in, in doing that deal. Um, a guy who's won a World Series, a guy who's been around for a while. He's been in you know clubhouses of winning teams for basically his entire career. I would really like to see Brandon Belt uh, become an Oriole, but it's got to be at the right price. I wouldn't. I certainly. I think the number Stan uh, named was eight million, I believe, and I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't really touch yeah. that. But at three or four, I'd like to see it. Yeah, I, I don't know that. Eight million is gonna. Do, I think the eight million might be too much. And I wouldn't I, touch I, eight million. I, I I think it's more like a five to six million. Okay. Type yeah. type of thing. But I don't know. We'll see. Now, Ravens are playing the Bengals tomorrow at one o'clock, and it's like, is it worth look, watching? Lamar's not playing. <laughs> the Bengals are pissed off because they didn't just hand them a, a home playoff game. Like you won the division. Well, they, they got handed the win of the division. Yeah, they they, they got handed the division, and yeah. now they're gonna bitch and moan like. You know, people are saying they're getting punished for, you know, having support and compassion for everybody had support and compassion yeah. for for Demar Hamlin. We all do, and and they couldn't have done anything different, right? Away, so and and, and it's like they the, have. the the Ravens had a better division record. They beat you. If they beat you again tomorrow, and then the one team that you didn't play that they did play is the Buffalo Bills, who are going for a number yeah. one seed. Why should you just be handed anything? Right. Right? The fact that you've already been handed a division without having to... I mean, I don't want to say without having to earn it, but you didn't really earn it. Well, I'll say this, and it's going to make a lot of Ravens fans mad, but they deserve the division more than the Ravens did, in my opinion. The Ravens played had a better division record, and the Ravens beat them. I, and, and the, and the I Ra- have not liked the, the brand of Ravens football over the past uh, nobody five has. to six they, weeks. They've been freaking awful, but also over the last five to six weeks, Lamar Jackson hasn't, hasn't been there. People are complaining about the offense. They're like, oh, they're only scoring 13 points a game. Three of the last four games that Lamar Jackson started and finished, yeah. the Ravens scored 27 points. But look, the other one, they scored twenty. They scored 13, and it was in that, that windy, cold game against, against the Panthers. But the other three games in the, la- uh, the last four that he started and finished, 27 points. Without Lamar Jackson, they've scored 10, they've scored 3, they've scored 16 twice, they've scored 13. Uh, Without Lamar Jackson, this offense doesn't work, Mm -hmm. right? Lamar Jackson needs to be back on the field. He needs to get back on the field. Do you have any... well, Well, for one, the game against the Bengals tomorrow, if they lose that game, they should be shot. Like, Like, you should not lose that football game at home with... A home playoff game potentially on the line. You have no business. And you're better. They're a better football team. Offensively. I think the Ravens are far better defensively. But offensively, defensively, yeah. you're a better football team. You have no business losing that game tomorrow. So you want to... The, the, the whining from Zach Taylor. The oh, 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 It's written in black and white in the rule book. And it should be this and that. Don't lose. Yeah. 
it don't lose the game tomorrow. You should win that game by and thirty they points. They won't. They won't. They're no. not gonna. They're not gonna lose a game. But I picked them not to cover because the Ravens have only lost one game by more than the score all year, and they're, the Bengals are favored by seven. Ravens defense is gonna get up for the game, uh, and they, they're not gonna be able to. I don't think they're gonna be able to stop the Ravens running game. Um, but I do expect them to win. We'll get to predictions in a second. But Lamar Jackson has got to come back for the playoffs. It would be really fitting if they end up playing the Bengals in the wild card round and Lamar Jackson comes back. Do you think he plays again this year? That is the the million-dollar question, right? Because I, I'm not sure Lamar Jackson wants to be here. Um, I don't feel that way. And, you know, given body language, given the way that this whole situation's been basically treated by, you know, John Harbaugh, Eric DaCosta, uh, Lamar Jackson himself – Nobody's given any clarity on what this situation looks like. John Harbaugh was asked this week, and he said, basically along the lines of, I'm not getting into that. That's basically yeah. what he, what he I'm said. I'm going to talk about players that are here right now. Right, and that, to me, tells you everything you need to know about where this is going. I'm not sure Lamar Jackson ever plays again for the Ravens. I don't think he's going to play again for this year for the Ravens. I don't think he's ever uh, playing again for the Ravens. They, they're going to have to blow him away with an offer. And, and, yeah. and here's the thing. And the people saw, oh, look at this video. Don't you love the interaction between Lamar and the coach? It was all John Harbaugh right. telling Lamar how much he loved him. Lamar didn't say that back. Lamar was backing away. Lamar was backing way, away. Yeah. And, and what also people aren't talking about is Harbaugh says, oh, this cold weather is good, good for your knee. And Lamar was <laughs> like, nah, nah, I think I need to go sit back down over on that bench. Yeah. Lamar di- did not want to have any conversations about his knee because he does, I don't think he wants to play. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to make my prediction now. I'm saying it right now. I, I, I made a bet with uh, our friend of the show, Matt Pine, uh, about a year and a half ago that Lamar Jackson would not be the quarterback uh, in 2023-2024 season for the Ravens, and I still stand by that. Lamar Jackson is never playing another game for the Ravens. That's what I believe. I really, truly believe that because I, I just think all the signs are pointing to a trade um, coming up at some point. They can franchise tag him, but all that's going to do is, is make Lamar Jackson really angry. It's gonna, I, I'm going to tell you that. All it's going to do is make him hold out. And, and if um, I'm Lamar Jackson, real quick, I'm sorry, uh, why should he want to be here, right? I mean, it, Eric DaCosta has had four years to get him some formidable receivers and hasn't done it. Yeah, it, uh, you can draft guys, but you, the history right. of Ravens drafting wide receivers has been awful. 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 I was told Hollywood Brown was can't miss. He was the best receiver in the draft. A, no he wasn't. And B, they would sign up for blood in blood for Hollywood Brown right now. He wasn't even the third best receiver yeah, in the draft. They, they would they would sign up for him in blood yep. at this very moment. Yep. Rashad Bateman, I was told, was can't miss how good he was in Minnesota. And he's played eight games in his career. Yep. Nine games, something like that. I was told he was can't miss. He's not on he's never on the field. He's not, he's always hurt. He hasn't done anything. And then you don't you don't sign legitimate wide receivers. You sign Demarcus Robinson. You can say that, that maybe the Ravens didn't get Flacco enough weapons. He had Derek Mason. They signed Anquan Bolden for him. They yep. signed Steve Smith for him. He had, he had uh, Pro Bowl tight ends. He had weapons. They've done nothing aside from draft two guys in the first round to give Lamar Jackson weapons. Right. Nothing. He's had absolutely nothing to throw to. Oh, Jeremy Macklin and Michael Crabtree. You got those guys for Joe Flacco. And John Brown, you got those guys for Joe Flacco right. in, in 2018. Um, I predicted it on, I said, one of two things is going to happen. The Ravens are either going to give this dude a bag of money mm-hmm. in the offseason, or they're going to trade him to the Oakland Raiders. I mean, to the Las Vegas Raiders. Really? Okay. They're going to trade him to the Las Vegas Raiders for Derek Carr, a first-round pick in this oh. year's draft, and then something else. And Derek Carr is going to be a stopgap 
quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens in 2023, and then they're going to draft their quarterback in the future in 2024. That's what that's honestly what I think is going to happen. That's a very very plausible situation. I you know I wouldn't hate Derek Carr. I actually like Derek I, Carr. I hate Derek Carr. Really, I, I, I think like him. I, I think he is straight butt on the field. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> you have he has Devonte Adams. You yeah. have Devonte Adams. You have Josh Jacobs. Yeah. You have Darren Waller. You have Hunter Renfro. You yeah. have Matt Collins. Waller's out this year though, right? I believe Waller's out. No, he he came back. Oh, did he? Okay. He, he, okay. he uh, you you missed him for a great uh, a great bit of the season. Yeah. And same thing with Hunter Renfro. But you have the number one leading rusher in the NFL. You have arguably the best receiver in the NFL. Yeah. Devontae Adams had a three-week stretch where he had nine catches for 113 yards. Yep. That used to be a game for him. A game. And, and like a mediocre game for him. And then you bring in Jordan Stidham, and Jacob said, whatever the hell his name is, <laughs> and he throws for over 300 yards. Adams has 170 yards and two touchdowns without Derek Carr. Derek Carr is butt. He is straight butt. I don't want him, but I I, I have like the sneaking suspicion that the Ravens are making a trade with the Raiders yeah. that includes Lamar Jackson for Derek Carr, a first round pick in this year's draft, and like a number two and number three in next year's draft. I think it's more likely that they make a trade with the Falcons and get Desmond Ritter. I could see that being a, a good possibility. Yeah. And, and I again, neither of those situations really excite me. Neither. Yeah. Um, but says- and, and, and by the way, though. They're going to get two or three first-round picks back, right? they got to hit them. they got to hit on them. Mm-hmm. Because you look at Adafi Owe. You look at Rashad Bateman. You, I mean, Linderbaum was good. I'll give him that. And and it looks like Kyle Hamilton was a good first-round pick as well. Patrick Queen... He, he, it took getting Roquan Smith to it, unlock it, his potential. It took three years. Eric DeCosta's first-round picks have been okay at best. Uh, I don't have a lot of confidence that he's going to be able to turn two or three first-round picks into good players. It just blows my mind that you traded your most productive wide receiver, and didn't replace him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we have Rashad Bateman, who has never stayed on the field. Like, And he's never, and even when he is on the field, he, he's done some nice things, but you can say that he single-handedly cost you the game against the Bills because of yeah. all of his drops. One of them, which would have been like a 70-plus-yard touchdown. That game goes completely differently. So Eric DaCosta needs to go out and sign, friggin re- sign Lamar Jackson and go get DeAndre Hopkins or something this offseason. O- otherwise, ugh. Anyway, if Lamar Jackson comes back, I have a lot of faith in the Ravens moving forward. I yes. think that they're a, yeah. they're a completely different team. With that defense, I think that they are much, much better than people give them credit for. But we will that remains to be seen. Because I picked the Ravens to cover against the Bengals in our weekly picks for Press Box, I'm going to go ahead and say that the final score in tomorrow's game is going to be Bengals 23, Ravens 17. Okay, I was going to go 27-13, Bengals. I thought you were. I, I thought you said they were going to get blown out. Well, that is a, blo- a that a, is a blowout. Two score, two score yeah, difference. I, for, uh, uh, you know what? I was expecting to say I think the Bengals are going to win this game 34 to six or something like that. Yeah, that could certainly happen too. I'm going to say Bengals 23, Ravens 17. Okay. All right. I thought we were getting higher to 12-15, and somehow we still managed to go to 12-25. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for tuning into the battle round. It's been so good to be back. I I hate taking two weeks in a row off, but. It was needed because of the holidays and people's schedules and everything like that. Special thanks to Stanton Fan Charles for his weekly segment, as always. And thanks to Jake, uh, I almost called him Jake Ritter, Jake Rill uh, from MLB.com, New World's newest beat writer, coming on and talking some O's baseball with us. The countdown to spring training is on. Baseball starts for me tomorrow, so I'm amped and I'm hyped about it. Can't wait to talk more baseball with you guys next week. Until then, see ya!